It's kind of like hardware or software. You know what I mean? It's kind of hard to put into words. Nowhere. Having a relationship and a deep, deep, purposeful meaning to one's life in order to give back and to be a good person. Not only to share your story, but enable others to share theirs in order to help other people, I think is the core purpose. I can think back on my life in the hardest moments when I was going through hurt with somebody at church or a leader, or I was still better off in those seasons than I was when I just didn't try anymore. I want to be better than I was yesterday. And, and that really is what I try to do every single day of my life is to try to be, you know, try to learn something, try to be a little bit better than I was the day before. I, I think just in going through those experiences, I probably uh, saw a lot of things that I didn't want to recreate as a father myself or as a husband myself. This week, I sit down with Matt Siegel, Matt Pethel, and Jesse New. Matt Pethel and Jesse New are returning guests of the podcast. And Matt Siegel is a musician, singer-songwriter, videographer, and storyteller. We touch on religion, culture, and whatever else came to mind. This is a really long conversation, and I really, really enjoyed it. That's why this is part one of a two-part conversation. One. one. And we're live. Yeah, so you did the clap there to make sure all the audio lines up. Yes. Okay, so Jesse New, you can see me and my big, beautiful beard. Yeah. But... These guys are in your periphery. Per, per, perif, uh, I, can see, uh, I can see the corner of Matt's forehead. Matt Siegel. We got to get in closer, guys. Yeah. Uh, can you scoot I, that I can, camera I can back? Move the camera back. Yeah, let's do that. Let's move the camera back a little bit so everybody can see everybody. It looked great when it was just by itself. But... There they are. There's some of them. That's good enough. You don't. We don't need to see Matt Pethel. Yeah. Crop, crop out my the saddlebags. <laughs> All right, Jesse, new you got a drink? I got some water. I need this. I heard that. Milk. <laughs> so Matt made us this um, lemonade. It's a maple bourbon lemonade. Maple burpin lim- maple. Burpin uh, lemonade. Maple, maple burpin lemonade. What happened to my coaster? Maple. I don't know. Uh, here's maple bourbon lemonade. This is our this is our first uh, episode that we're going to be doing. Uh, just to introduce a couple folks, we got Matt Siegel. He's going to talk about himself in a minute. We got the uh, the great Jesse New on the line. We got the audio engineer of the whole shebang, Matt Pethel. And then me, obviously, your host. Um, so we can go around the room a little bit. And um, we wanted to really get everybody together because, Matt, you are friends with Jesse and Matt Pethel, my cousin. Um, and from everything that I've heard from everybody uh, is that you're a really great guy. And it'd be a really awesome opportunity for you to hop on the mic. And Yeah, thanks kinda, for having me. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, share your story and then, you know, kind of tell me how you know these guys and like what what your deal is what you do yeah so uh me and uh pethel go back a little ways matt pethel uh we call each other by our last names by the way because and now there's another first name yeah Yeah, there's another pethel in the room too so this is going to get complicated two (laughs) two pethels two mats yeah 
But anyway, we met uh, doing music at uh, a church together, and over the years, I guess it's been about 10 years, right? Well, we first met. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like 2012, I think. Okay. Yeah. Met. Almost 10. Yeah. And stuff. So, so we've got a little bit of history there. And then me and Jesse, it was kind of random, probably through trivia, right, Jesse, where we just, uh, you started coming yeah, to trivia. Yeah, that's where we first started hanging out. Yeah. 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 We started doing trivia uh, a couple years ago. And then just through hanging out with mutual friends, became friends and really got to know each other last year, uh, going out West, uh, on a little trip. And that's when we really got to get to know each other better. And it's been awesome. You guys hear that in the background? Yeah. I think it's his speakers. Uh, that is Jesse's speakers. Jesse's speakers are picking. Does it help when I mute them? You want me to grab some headphones? Grab some headphones. Let's see how that works out. All right. Give me a second. Cool. Go ahead. All right. We're going. Should we just stop talking? Or yeah. Just no. pause. <laughs> Sip. Dude, yeah. This drink is actually really good. Dude, it's only three ingredients, man. Maples, so, maple syrup, lemonade, and bourbon. Did you make the lemonade homemade? Uh, no, but I got um, my favorite store-bought lemonade, which is just simply lemonade. Mm-hmm. Which is just like regular lemonade or regular lemons, water, and sugar. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I feel like we have to do the product plug bing, bing. thing yeah. for that. Uh, but Dude, yeah. I've been trying to get some, I, I've been looking a little bit more into the, the advertisement space when it comes to um, podcast advertisements and placements and stuff like that. I was looking on a place called Podcorn. Podcorn is That sounds kind of dirty. Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah. Uh, but, Podcorn. Pull that out of your teeth. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. I'm sorry. So, yeah. So it's a platform that allows you to kind of pick and choose uh, like companies or whatever uh, to advertise. But I haven't. Um, and what's really funny is that they they look at your you basically pull in your stats and um, they they get to see like demographics. Yeah. you're de- yeah. Well, they get to see the, the numbers of downloads. Okay. For the for the show, but the thing is, is like if you have a thousand downloads, none of that shows up until, uh, like, like it doesn't even start counting for your podcast until you hook it up, till you hook the stats up to Podcorn, right? So you can have like twenty five thousand downloads, but according to Podcorn and everybody on there that's looking for you know platforms to advertise on, it shows zero. So it's all the listens from when you connected it on. Got it. So it it's doesn't like look a, in the past. It's yeah. like analytics. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of it kind of sucks a little bit because it's like, hey, I got a lot more downloads than zero. Um, <laughs> right. 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 And, nobody, and nobody's going to want to, uh, you know. So, anyways, it's, it's kind of a tricky game. It's kind of weird, but it is what it is. Cool. I've been watching that. Um, have y'all seen that show on Netflix? Um, murders only murders in the building on hulu with, yeah mm-hmm. or uh is it is it hulu or is it netflix either way it's, it's steve, martin steve martin and martin short where they're they're doing a podcast about the murder in their building mm-hmm. that stuff is pretty great I, I saw the previews i haven't got around to watching it yet it's we good. we just started watching uh why the last man mm-hmm. um and we just finished mayor of east town too oh that's good yeah that's good i know you're telling me about that like last yeah. week when killer we show it. it's super good is that kind of like nine perfect strangers have you ever seen that one? I haven't seen that one. Mm-mm. It's with uh, Melissa McCarthy. No, Mayor of Easttown is kind of like a drama 
murder mystery type thing with mm. uh, Kate Winslet. Mm, okay. And she plays a Pennsylvania detective and nice. it's weird. She's killer in it. Yeah, she's she so is. good. Nice. It's it's weird hearing them like you could tell their dialogue coach was like, "All right, everybody when you say the word home, say like home." Like home. Home. Yeah, it's home. like some Pennsylvanian accent thing. I don't know, it's funny. But it's it, a really good. And actually it's like filmed in the fall and so it's like if you're trying to get in the fall vibes it's perfect because mm-hmm. there's like foliage and it's mm. a good watch jesse do you feel like you're a part of this podcast or are you just watching three guys just to shoot i'm just i'm just hanging out drinking <laughs> nice can you hear me better now is the is the sound better oh yeah okay yeah what's what you got in the in the cup there wine. is that wine wine yeah man look it's um merlot babe ridge merlot Kroger, oh. 2.99 a bottle Ah, oh, okay, dude. Have you ever had Aldi's oh, wine? Yeah. I haven't. I've never been to Aldi. Never. So I I heard place. that that Aldi has highly underrated budget wines. So hmm. you, it, it's you know between like seven and eleven mm-hmm. or twelve bucks. Sarah loves uh, one from Aldi called Outlander. I've seen mm-hmm. that, and she that's one of her go tos. They have really good beer there too. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, I need to go. I, I've always uh, been in. Uh, enthralled with the uh, quarter to buy a buggy kind of thing. It's not a bad deal if you want to buy a buggy. I mean, if you put a quarter in and you don't pay the buggy back. Yeah, it's kind of like the right? Ikea isn't that, of isn't that the Yeah. Because uh, you have to like bag well, yeah, it. Yeah, like, I'm about to say, you, yeah, but don't you put it, you put a quarter in mm-hmm. and then you have to turn it, turn the buggy back in to get your quarter back, right? right. Yeah, but the catch is, or the, the trick is to catch people as they're returning from their car. And they're going to yeah. put it back. Just grab it from them. And be like, "Oh, I got it. I got it." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and I'm a, a lot of people don't. Made it a shopping cart. Yeah. Go ahead. And a lot of people don't put their buggies all the way up either, and like lock them. They just kind of leave it floating, so you can just grab it. So Trader Joe's yeah. is owned by Aldi, or is it the other way around? No. Aldi Aldi <laughs> owns Trader Joe's. Okay. Like the parent company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They own Trader Joe's. They bought them a while back. It it used Did to be independent, that. yeah, cool. yeah. It's a uh, I like Aldi. They got some pretty good stuff. Back in our day, you used quarters to get um, a gum. Sam's Coke oh. or Sam's Choice right. Coke. That's right. Or you got uh, to ride the little horse when you were real small. Uh, they, remember, they, and they also had arcade games at Walmart. Yeah, man. Outside, and I the, thought you were going to say R. Kelly CDs, but you said <laughs> RK. Right. Okay, got it, dude. I remember, <laughs> I remember as a kid going to Walmart, and uh, as soon as we would get in there, I would peace out with my mom. I'd be like, "All right, mom, I'm out. I'm going to the electronics." And I'd play the Super Nintendo display they had there. I would like, you know, oh, there'd yeah. be kids waiting in line behind me, and I would never move. They would just be like waiting forever, and I would never get give them a turn. what game. Uh, Super Mario World oh, yeah. usually. Um, yeah, Street Fighter was mine at Walmart. Yeah. I, I would just play that thing for <laughs> nice a while. We had a Sega. I was always in the fishing section. I called I called Walmart every day to ask them if they had certain fishing lures in stock. <laughs> y'all <laughs> got three, some four three five one three. <laughs> if anybody needs the number, y'all got some spider wire over there. <laughs> I'm going on a trip this yeah. weekend. Just making sure y'all had some in stock. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, Jesse. Uh, so tell us. Tell us a little bit more about um, about you and uh, the Matt's relationships. Which Matt? Both. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Matt Siegel, we kind of he kind of talked about that I guess a little bit ago. Um, we met 
So Matt's wife, uh, Sarah, works with uh, one of my friends, Becky, who I met through another one of their friends, Stacy. So a lot of mutual friends there. And uh, yeah, so we started playing trivia together, hanging out. It's actually where I met Matt Pethel as well. And then uh, last year, me and Matt Siegel and Sarah and Becky went on a, a trip out west. So we flew into Vegas and spent uh, a day in Vegas and then did a national park tour of southern Utah, northern Arizona, and uh, spent... I don't know, a little over 2,000 miles in a car with uh, just the four of us and the road and just spent a ton of time. We, we took two books with us that are uh, some, uh, what, two books that have a lot of random questions in them that kind of get conversation started. So uh, we just spent time conversing and asking random questions and uh, getting to know each other a ton, uh, which was which was awesome. So it was a, a good time to really bond with those guys. Um, and then Matt Bethel, I think we kind of talked about the story uh, where we met on the last one I was on where, We've been playing trivia together for, I guess, a year, and before we even realized that that you two were cousins. So, uh, so yeah, how did we're you not, looking forward to starting trivia again. How did you not figure that out, dude? With his last name, uh, we literally have the one and only last name Pethel in the world, pretty much. True. Yeah, there's not a lot of Pethels. We're there. all related. Like all the Pethels are related somehow. Yep. Very true. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I never I've never thought about it. I, you know, I probably should have, but it's one of those like this. You know, just never crossed my mind. You're probably thinking of Pethelnator, and you're like, man, that ain't no Pethelnator. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that your yeah. nickname? I, I, yeah. Go ahead, Jesse. I, I was probably thinking uh, uh, Matt Pethel is nothing like the Ryan Pethel I went to high school with, so they can't be related. <laughs> We're not going to go down that road again? Yeah, or... yeah we, we are We are quite different. Uh, but, I mean, we have some similarities, too, mm-hmm. you know, like our last name. Both Greg Kissers, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you still have that book man do you still have that book with all those questions uh yeah i don't think it's here though i think it's at the uh the cat cafe oh okay so you got a library going on over there too we're here in the cat cafe oh no uh, no i let sarah and matt borrow when they went on a trip and sarah brought them back and put them at the cafe and i just left them there for um, oh, I see. the last few weeks Okay, I see, I see. So, man, all four of us together, what the heck are we going to talk about? I, I don't know how you guys feel about cussing, because I have a story where <laughs> I, I had a, a pretty good, uh, I had a pretty good run with the church and with religion and spirituality, yeah. um, and then it, um, let me give you, let me give you an analogy. You ever, what's your favorite restaurant? Favorite restaurant uh, overall is Chick Fil A. So imagine, <laughs> I mean, imagine, imagine you go to Chick Fil A, yeah, and then you bite into your sandwich, and then you know how those uh, we call them hamsters in the military, but they're really like these um, these kind of like baked, breaded ham things that are stuffed with cheese. Yeah. Okay. Imagine that cheese was like cockroaches, except in a Chick Fil A sandwich. <laughs> Right, so it leave a real bad taste in your mouth. Sure, that's kind of the analogy that I'm trying to draw yeah. here with the with the with the whole church thing. Yeah, so. that'd be an unexpected texture too. Oh yeah, super crunchy. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's kind of that's I kind of fell off that end without getting too deep into it. Um, yeah, it, but I mean, we can if you want to. But um, I guess all that to say is, can I say on? This? Sure. Okay, is that okay with you guys? Uh, Matt doesn't like it. All right, so no, I'm, I'm we can uh, we can edit it. You can edit that one and he just, can bleep. Just so I say, <laughs> just yeah. so I'll just reverse it. And be like, cool. 
You know, the problem with church is, though, yeah. people are there. That's true. That's, That's the true. problem. Yeah. That's it's true. not who we serve in heaven. It's the people trying to be like him or not like him, most cases. That's the biggest problem. Yeah. <laughs> Very yeah. true, yeah. If we had a better approach, I think that uh, everybody would be religious. Yeah. Like if everybody treated each other with yeah. kindness and southern hospitality and a little bit of little bit of red wine merlot from uh from Alden. <laughs> I think we'd all be all right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think um yeah, there's there's a lot of people that have church hurt, right? Like mm-hmm. yeah. um you know, we we have our we have our mutual friend Danny who mm-hmm. uh he just alluded to all that in his in his podcast that he's doing. Mm-hmm. That's and, right. His podcast is called the Something the companion. curious companion. Curious, com- curious companion. Yeah, yeah. It's actually really good. Yeah. The first um, episode's out with mm-hmm. uh, Aaron Sh- Scorch. Scorch. Yeah, that was his uh, drummer. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I was actually listening to it earlier uh, when I was setting up for all it's this. Really good. He it goes is, in deep, dude. Yeah, he does. Um, but I th- I think one of the one of the big problems with with like dealing with church hurt is like, like Siegel said, you know, it's, it's, it's people. It's not, it's not the figure per se. Yeah. It's, it's the, the people that, that leverage their position of power to, you know, affect their influence, you know, or, or push their personal agendas, you know, in the name of, yeah. Of you know that, and that's a blasphemous thing in itself. I think know? people start off, uh, especially like church plants or the churches that have grown. You know, especially it's run by a certain, you know, guy that started the church. People kind yeah. of become their uh, king of their kingdom. Yeah, and so uh, you know, I, f- I feel like the one of the biggest problems I see in church is we use God to build our kingdoms instead of using our influence to build God's kingdom mm. and stuff. So. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things that I see kind of across the board in westernized church, what we've made church and stuff is this is our, this is my, instead of a, my church, this is almost like my podcast where I get my one-liners yeah. and people tweet about me and it's just become, uh, there's still good things. God, I feel, I feel like God still moves within all the bad that we create. Mm. But yeah, man, it leaves. I mean, I've got church hurt. I've worked for two of them. You can't work for one without having church hurt for sure. Yeah. Uh, you're behind the curtain and it's a whole different game there. So yeah, Absolutely. I get it, man. You can say that for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think there's, there's a, a lot of, a lot of misplaced idolatry, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think it, it's probably inadvertent, you know, at first, Right. But like if you look at at these, you know, like mega pastors, right, like a, mm-hmm. a Louis Giglio or mm-hmm. or whoever, like people, people idolize him. Joel Osteen. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. But but huge. But people like Louis Giglio, I don't think that his intention was ever to become an idol. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are people who do idolize him and like hang on every word that he says. Absolutely. Right. Why do you feel like. Why do you guys feel like people need that? Like, let's just take the, let's take the, the God, let's take the God aspect out of it just for a second. Okay. Because that's the, that's the, the overall overarching reason, right? Um, why do people need to congregate and 
become one together within a congregation or an organization like why why can't it just be you deserving or you serving you know who you feel like you need to worship or serve uh kind of like in, in your own time and in your own terms as opposed to trying to get everybody together at nine o'clock a.m mm-hmm. on a on a weekend and kind of do it all together like what what's the purpose of that because uh, I, i'll add a tail in uh point to that a lot of the churches that um a lot, a lot of the churches don't do what they say that they're going to do. So you have a lot of pastors who make a lot of money and buy Lamborghinis, airplanes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. helicopters, and all this other stuff when they could be taking that money and donating it to places like St. Jude's Children's yeah. Research mm-hmm. Hospital or donating it, donating it to World Vision or a myriad of other uh, foundations that are literally built around Accepting donations and helping others, mm-hmm. right? So why congregate when yeah. all this other debauchery is going on mm-hmm. and it only serves the people who are at the pulpit? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you see it a lot. I think I think a lot of the things that have happened in the church currently that are bad, that we don't like, that are bad, that have headed the wrong direction started pure. Like I believe at first, let's create an attraction where people will notice God. Let's make God more a part uh, palatable or not palatable, but like a part of modern day. Let's show them Christ today. Let's show them uh, and let's create this attraction, whether it be and then it takes money to create an attraction for people to come and hear the message, which in itself is pure. But then there's the other side of it where it becomes about the attraction instead of about God. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that's what the the twist that we've, We've seen a lot of, and then it becomes about, I've built my kingdom right. and I've got my, everything I could ever want yeah. and stuff. And, you know, that happens a lot. I mean, one of the best things I did was 10 years ago, I started working for a pastor and um, I could have went to a larger church mm-hmm. to work at the time, mm-hmm. but I went to this small, like backwoods, 150 member church to, for my first church job after my band was done. Mm-hmm. And um, you had a band? Would yeah, I was, I was in my 20s. Throughout my whole 20s, I was in a Christian rock band. Oh, okay. And stuff. So I don't know if you know this, but Siegel's kind of a big deal. I did nah. not. <laughs> I did he's, not. He's, he's a big deal. He won't say it himself, but he's he's one of the most talented people that I know. Oh, it's crazy. Like, just, yeah. I'll hear y'all if I need to say it. I'm the only one on this whole podcast that doesn't have a lick of – I couldn't hear a thing in the bucket. And every one of y'all play the guitar and sing. And every, I remember we were just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> just hang it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. I, I, I went to work for this guy, and I was told, hey, you could go here, but this guy right here, if you'll go work for this guy, his name was Rob Vincent. He was a pastor of this church. He had moved from Virginia Beach. To pastor here, and he said, "You'll learn more about leadership than you ever would at this other church." And so I saw was he behind, like a was he like a friend or was he like a member of one of the churches? He was the he had just moved from Virginia Beach to be the pastor of this church, and that, you know, okay. uh, and so uh, and he had offered me a job in this other place. Had offered me a job, so I was had a decision to make. But I learned so much. Like behind, he was one of those guys. Like when you removed the curtain and you got behind the scene, you were just impressed. Mm. He he had fifty foster children coming through his house, and he's in his mid fifties, mm. and he and they were all special need foster kids. Like 
you saw this guy that was like living it. You're like, so that made a huge impact on me that it like hope is not lost. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've also worked for a larger church where it was a little bit narcissistic and stuff like that. But I always have him in the back of my mind. Mm. I was like, they're, they're, the, they're the real deal is out there. Yeah. You just got to look for it. It's like anything in life, any corporation, our country. <laughs> when you get past yeah. a certain level, you start seeing what humans have done uh-huh. to it uh-huh. instead of what it was meant to be. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do see what you mean. Unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of people like that out there. Yeah. Or at least um, if they if they are hidden, behind, if their efforts are hidden behind the curtain, it's very difficult to see until mm-hmm. until you're involved. You yeah, totally. I mean? So, I mean, I, I, I get that there are good people out there. Um, my argument is you don't need to, like, believe in a certain vein in order to be a good person. Sure. Although people who do believe tout that um, giving essentially, you know, just like Jesus did, he gave his own life right. for others. So if you're going to do that, if you're going to believe in that, uh, let's see it. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not saying that every blue collar job worker or white collar job worker out there needs to give up their job for for someone else. I'm just saying like, uh, show some compassion. Don't be asshole. Yeah, sure. (laughs) You know, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're exactly right. I think, uh, one of the biggest thing reasons you don't see as many people pursuing God, the way that I just talked about with that guy is comfort. Mm-hmm. We don't want to lose comforts to really pursue God in the way that, like, in the Bible, when he calls the disciples out, they, like, leave their families. They leave everything behind yeah. to pursue. You don't see a lot of that, you know. Well, I mean, th- the times have changed. So if you did see a whole lot of that, you'd probably think that something was up. Like, <laughs> whether someone like, cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Somebody <laughs> brought the pitcher of Kool-Aid and uh, yeah, we're, yeah. we're all in. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because I mean, you have you have responsibility. You have uh, people in general have a lot more responsibilities these days than mm-hmm. people in the past, including women. You're right. right? Mm-hmm. So they want to take on this. Women specifically want to take on more responsibility simply for the fact that they can uh, now because they're allowed to, um, and they're human beings, and they want to they want to put their efforts towards something good too. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's a completely different dynamic, and there are there are some times where. Um, you can't really follow everything as closely as is written, um, because the times are different. Sure. Right. I see Would you saying. agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, obviously there's a lot of the, the law and stuff <laughs> when we read now that, I mean, I have a text thread from my friends that we send each other the funniest scriptures from like Deuteronomy and. All these things. It's just like crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, and Send your like, wife away for seven yeah. days when she's on her period. Right. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's well, good luck with that. Wait, why are we doing that? <laughs> yeah. I, I do think, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, what the problem is we get hung up on a lot of the, uh, a lot of the exterior um, things when it comes to religion, when Christ is like, when it, his message to us is to love your neighbor as yourself yeah, and love each other, you know, and love, put me before anybody else and, and serve me only and stuff. And so it's like, it's really simple, but we get so hung up on all the exterior laws and rules and stuff when it's more about, you know, having, you, you've heard this a million times, about having a relationship right. over religion yeah. and stuff. And like Christ himself hated the, or he didn't hate, but he, 
he was very against the Pharisees and the, the religious people. And that's what we're surrounded by a lot is Pharisees. Yeah. Modern day. Yeah. yeah. And over, I think over time, you know, if you, if you kind of attribute it to the metaphor of being an onion, as the years go by, yeah. and uh, uh, the closer that that you get to modernization, right, modern civilization, um, you peel back those layers of the onion. Mm-hmm. Um, that onion gets smaller and smaller and more mobile, and easier to handle, or easier to um, just kind of grow accustomed to. And I think that that's kind of what religion does these days is um, those other things that were in the Old Testament to basically kill other people if they're not following the same thing that you're following. Let's kind of do away with that layer and let's apply this other layer. Sure. Right. And then as we progress and move on, what other layers are going to be eh, kind of thrown to the side? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We don't know. We don't know because we can't we don't have. Uh, that foresight we don't totally. have we you know, we can't read the future you know but we can um i think that i think religion in and of itself is not so terrible i think spirituality is amazing and more people should be spiritual or have a relationship as they would say um you know re- religion is the cause of wars and is the cause mm. of poverty and is the cause of division around the world um having a relationship and a deep deep purposeful meaning to one's life in order to give back and to be a good person, not only to share your story, but enable others to share theirs in order to help other people, I think is the Mm -hmm. core purpose of any relationship, whether you have a relationship with God or you have a relationship with your cousin or whatever. Mm. I think that that's, I think that that's the point. And I feel like modern day religion is growing closer to that ideology. And I think that that's a good thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you guys I think, think so. Yeah, yeah, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Jesse? <laughs> what do I think? Um, yeah, I think. Well, I'll circle back really quick to your original question too, Ryan. Why you said why do people need to congregate? And for me, I think the reason to be around other like-minded Christians is for accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 100%. if I'm being completely transparent. You know, I'm a better person when I'm around. You're breaking up a little bit. Good people. Breaking up a little you bit, Jesse. Rewind about ten seconds. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Congregate. I said, I'm, I'm just you know, in complete transparency. I'm a better person when I'm around good people. Not that I'm a bad person when I'm not, um, but it's it's easy to sort of, you know, it it just snowballs. You know, you do one thing that that somebody that's a better person might hold you accountable for. You can do one thing, you get away with it, and you're like, well, I got away with it that time, and then. Before you know it, you're it's snowballing. and you're a mile from where you should be as a person and, a, and as a believer. So I think um, going back to your original question about congregating with other like minded people, I think that, you know, that is where religion serves a purpose is to, you know, to get you around other people who are believers who should be living the same type of life, um, you know, loving your neighbor, loving God. Um, and if, if you're not surrounded by that, it's pretty easy to to not, not even see yourself falling and, and, uh, you know, getting further, further away if if you're not careful. Yeah, that's so true. Like, I think I can think back on my life in the hardest moments when I was going through hurt with somebody at church or a leader, or I was still better off in those seasons than I was when I just didn't try anymore. There's something to be said for just trying in anything in life. I think, you know, if I want to be a better musician, 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to go hang out with good musicians. We might, we're still going to make mistakes as we grow. Yep. But I have you pushing me forward and helping mm-hmm. me forward. I think that's, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's, that's why it's important for me. Yeah, they absolutely. That's yeah. pushing good. me forward. It, it's it's kind sure. of like the, the thing that we all do, the, the, like the comparison game, right? Like you, 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 you don't know how you, you don't know how good you're doing until you compare yourself to how someone else is doing. And and I'm not saying that comparing is good or bad. It's just that we have the the tendency to compare ourselves to others. Well, we all compare. That's right. for sure. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And um <clears throat> just like when you're with when you're with other people who are uh you know, kind of following the same rules as you. Mm-hmm. Right? Like so when, when Christians hang out with other Christians uh in theory, they're all following the same rule book, right? If they're living according to the word of, of God or the Bible, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so we tend to compare ourselves to to how someone else is doing, even though we might be in a completely different phase of life or a completely different, if you think of it like mile markers, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe we're, we haven't gone as far as this other person has gone, right. mm-hmm. you know? And so we're, we're, we're trying to do the couch to fork to, to 5k <laughs> thing. Right. And sure. then you got like marathon runners over mm-hmm. here. Um, and people tend to get discouraged when they're not meeting up to this kind of expectation that they've sort of placed on themselves based on how they're comparing themselves to someone else. Well, therein lies the, the innate, uh, attribute that we have to be competitive, right? Oh, er- yeah. Ergo oh, yeah. the, um, the keeping up the with cap- the Joneses, the capitalist market. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, you know, there, there, there is, you know, you have this utilitarian or this u- utopian view of kind of sharing the wealth and everyone kind of having equal, equal pay or equal resources available to them. I mean, that's all great in theory. And it sounds like a kindergarten classroom, which is amazing for kindergartners. <laughs> but when you kind of get into the adult world and when you grow up, um, you are competitive by nature. Yeah, you want sure. to be better uh, because it's in our biology. You know, the better men get the better women. The better women get the better men, right? The stronger men fight the better mm-hmm. fights. Mm-hmm. The, the you know, more affectionate or loving or whatever, or even stronger women kind of, a lot, they, they, are, they are afforded the oppor- more opportunities to, express their own abilities more right so therein lies that biological competitive yeah. everything in life getting 100%. job i need to be more skilled to get this job over this other person i need it's every level of life 100 percent. yeah 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 dude. i guess I mean, for my perception yeah go ahead where my perception of that is though like i'm you know when it comes to team sports i'm not super competitive you know honestly i want everybody as long as everybody's having fun i'm good but i'm super competitive with myself like Mm. And you talk about you want to be better than like, I know that I'm not going to be better than any of y'all playing guitar tomorrow, but I can be better than I am tomorrow today. Right. I, so mm-hmm. that's my outlook on life is that we're, you know, whether it's something that's, you know, whether it's job related, um, academics or my walk in faith is that I don't want to compare myself to others who are at a completely different place in their journey. I want to be better than I was yesterday. And I, and that really is what I try to do every single day of my life is to try to be, you know, try to learn something, try to be a little bit better than I was the day before. And before long, you know, you look 
10 years down the road, you look back and you're a completely different person. I might still not be on the same level as some of these people who are, you know, super into their faith and walk a great life with, with Christ, but I'm, I'm better than I was before. And that's where my competitive nature focuses is not on external trying to be better than other people. It's trying to be better than, than myself historically. I mean, I think that that's a good outlook to have in life. Mm -hmm. Um, That doesn't work 50,000 years ago because uh, I think that that outlook is, um, is a privilege of the modern era that we live in Uh, because 50,000 years ago, if you were roaming the earth, um, and you're trying to be better than yourself as opposed to being better than someone else who's catching the food, you, you die. might die. Yeah. Right. Well, so, if, but if you, but if you try to be better than that other person in combat before you're ready, you're going to die anyway. Well, I agree with that. But my point right. was, so, yes, I agree. But my point was, I think that there are still some things that you are competitive, um, that you, that you incorporate competition in that you may not necessarily know um, because we do live in a modern era where you don't need to do that as quite as often, right? For example, when someone else is going up for, uh, let's just say there's a promotion on the line and then you have you and then you have another person, right? Same Mm -hmm. qualifications, same time at the company, whatever, whatever, whatever. And the reason why you want to get this job is so you could help let's just say a family member out because with this job comes a bonus. I'm making everything up right now, but it's a scenario, right? So with Mm -hmm. this job increase or with this promotion, you'll have more opportunities to help your family or to help someone else. Right. So you, what what do you do? Are you trying to compete with yourself and be better than you were the day before? Or are you really trying to be better than the other competitor, right? Trying to get that job because you want that job too. So how does that? Well, I mean, I, I think it depends on how you look at it. If you if you're waiting until the promotion is there to compete with the person you're competing against, well, then you're already it's already lost. lost. Yeah, I think if if you spend your life being better every day, then when that promotion comes up, then you should be more qualified than the person that's getting it. And if they're not, then and if you're not, then you weren't going to get it anyway. So I think yeah, if you're reactionary. You're always trying to be better than that person, yeah. but it's the buildup to it, right? I mean, they say luck is when preparation meets opportunity. I don't really, and I do believe that. I don't necessarily believe people just get lucky. I think they prepare throughout the course of their life. An opportunity presents itself, and then they get that, not because they're lucky, but because they were prepared when the opportunity was there. And yeah. if you're not, I, I think I think it's really a, a real mind- quick. I'm going to prepare to use the restroom real quick. Okay. So you guys yeah. keep going. I'm going to use the restroom. Real no, quick. go for it, man. We're on the show. <laughs> so I, I I think it's it's really a mindset, right? Like if you have that mindset of I'm always going to let's just say try to be one percent better at something every single day, right? Um, then then you have this kind of it built in drive to improve yourself, improve your, your, your shortcomings, your weaknesses, things like that versus someone who is solely resting on their talents. Mm -hmm. Right. I would rather have someone who has the drive to constantly get better and better and better incrementally than someone who is way beyond this person who doesn't have any drive, who is only resting on, um, their natural ability. They feel and, entitled to whatever it is because they were just naturally gifted. Yeah. Instead of yeah. yeah. And 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 
Um, even even if the the person who is worse, right, um, may not be as qualified at the time as the person who's more talented in this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like if I were an employer, I would probably if if that was the only difference. If the only difference was was sheer skill versus drive. I would probably pick the person who's more driven anyway, just because their ceiling is higher. Sure. Right. Like, because sure. if you have someone who's naturally talented but has no drive, they have a low floor, or I'm sorry, they have a high floor, but they have a low ceiling. Yeah. You know, because they're not going to yeah. pursue. That's like John C. Maxwell talks about the the law of the lid. I don't know if y'all ever read his books, but um, he talks about that. He's a like big Christian author and leadership. Um, uh, author and he talks about that the exact same thing the law of the lid like this this cup right here if this if this lid is here doesn't matter how much wine i put it in it's only going to hold that much so yeah, yeah to your point you know have somebody that's got the drive to have you know a bigger capacity even if they don't have it then they yeah. can hold more eventually absolutely interesting stuff. absolutely hey real quick what do you think of that beer oh so this is a kbs a flavored stout it's founders founders uh espresso beer mm-hmm. it's an espresso stout and it's 12 percent abv and it tastes like espresso so it's pretty good yeah and well i knew you liked coffee i do like coffee so i don't necessarily <laughs> like coffee in my beer but mm-hmm. this is actually not bad i've had i have had other i don't typically like flavored beers yeah if I, that well, makes sense well i wanted i wanted to to kind of titillate your taste buds, maybe, maybe. Uh, I appreciate the titillation. Yeah, man. I just wanted, I just wanted to, to maybe give you something you never had before. You know, kind of give you some strange. I want to see Sable take a sip of it. No, you don't. <laughs> need, <laughs> you don't need. You don't need to. Let it, me just reveal really you quickly. Taste the coffee. I'm not even drinking what y'all are drinking. What are you drinking? So, I I brought my own. I'm a very. Um, <laughs> How do I say it? I'm a very vacation type drinker. Uh, this is he likes, he likes girly drinks. Got it. Not, 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 I was not trying to, be, to say that without being. Can you just not, let not, him not, not to like fit into like gender appropriation or yeah. anything like that? But he likes he likes sweeter beverages. When it comes to my alcohol consumption, yeah. I um, I relate as a female. Yeah, and yeah. that's and there's <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Now, anyway, I got uh, some. Uh, now it is. It's ninety proof coconut rum. Is that uh-huh. Seagull Beach? And yeah, yeah, and lemonade. That's all it is. Nice. Hi, um, hi. My name is uh, Matt, and I like pineapple juice <laughs> in my in my drinks. I always joke. Uh, my wife is totally opposite. She'll drink, you know, beer, whiskey. She drinks whiskey, straight. whatever. Yeah, you know. I do. That's what I do. And so, like, I'll I'll go to a restaurant and say, hey, um, you know. We're gonna we're gonna have an old fashioned and a um, strawberry fields forever. And they give you the wrong drink. <laughs> and they give me the whiskey, and I just kind of slide it over and stuff. I but, got the uh, I got the strawberry field forever. That's mine. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. Margaritas and cocktails is my lane. Yeah, and I stay in my lane. Man. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Like it's I, got sugar in it. That's the problem. I love sugar. Pour yeah. some sugar on me. Yeah, indeed. So there, so there is, there is an interesting thing about the four of us. We are all the class of two thousand one. We all have facial hair. We all have facial hair, but we all grew. (laughs) We all graduated at the same time, but most of us went to different high schools. What high school did you go to, Siegel? Bremen. Bremen High School. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. So he was the he was the um, 
Jesse, he was the ritzy one. Like from our oh, yeah. our, our school's perspective. Real, real, devil, real devils bleed red, ain't that what they yeah. said? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Blue devils and red devils. Well yeah, at that time oh, yeah. we were at that time we were very inferior at football. I remember when it came to Bowden because Bowden had won like I don't know, it was twenty years in a row or we something. We were beasts at yeah. football. <laughs> when we were in school, all of us, yeah. there was Bowden when they would take the field, they looked like us. Not in number, but in size, they look like a college team, like grown men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Was Coach Hotstetler, you know, Coach Dave was no, Coach yeah. Davis the uh, football coach as well as no, no, he was the baseball coach. Yeah, I knew I knew he uh, coached baseball. I didn't know if he stepped into the football realm. Um, I don't no. remember. Yeah, Coach Hotstetler, that guy is interesting. How did he? He he had a um, he had a burnt leg that I. I, in my inexperienced younger years, made fun of because I was young and dumb and uh, an idiot. Uh, now I would obviously never do that, but then it just made such an impact because it was always there and he always wore shorts. And I'm like, why is he wearing shorts when he's got this messed up looking leg? What is the deal? How how did he like mess up his leg? Was it like a motorcycle accident? Did I, he get burned? I think it was a motorcycle accident, yeah. I think it was okay. Like a really bad one when he was younger. Uh, I remember one time in uh, in team sports. This isn't this isn't too bad, right? I can share this. Um, <laughs> Coach Hotstetter was in the office getting. I think he was like disciplining a couple of guys that had been acting out in, in team sports or weight training. It was weight training. And Ryan goes up and grabs his power rate cap and throws it at the door. And I mean, it hits hard. Like it, it's obvious. So Coach Hotstetter comes out and he's like freaking out. And he's pissed off and he says, "Okay." Y'all can't buy drinks the rest of the class because, like, everybody, right, right at the end of weight training, we would all buy power raise or drinks and everything. So he says, you can't buy drinks the rest of the semester or something like that. And then Ryan goes up to him the next day and asks him to borrow a dollar fifty to buy a drink because he didn't have any money on him. <laughs> That's a really random, stupid story, but just one that I remember. That's amazing. Always pouring salt in the wood all the time. <laughs> did you guys at Bowden, uh, did y'all have uh, Fruitopia? Yes, we did. That was oh, a hot. Yeah. Th- that was hot really? screaming. Oh yeah. Oh Strawberry yeah. Strawberry Fruitopia was yeah. my jam, man. Yeah, oh, yeah, we had it right outside the cafeteria. <laughs> there was a machine, and everybody would just wear out Strawberry Passion uh, Fruitopia. Yeah. Dude, my, oh, yeah. so it was my uh, junior year in high school. I went to Paulding County, and my junior year was the first year that we got vending machines. So before that, no vending machines, no snacks in class, nothing. And then junior year rolls around, we get all these brand new vending machines. Uh, we were allowed to have snacks in class. And every single day in Algebra 2, I would get uh, spicy nacho Doritos and a Coke. Like that was that was like my go-to. And I would spend like $3 a day uh-huh. on snacks, oh, yeah. right? I would spend more on snacks than I would on my lunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Rectangle pizza. It was yeah, like the highlight Dude. best. Hey, so did you guys and crackers always, and slushies? So when you guys got the rectangle pizza, did y'all always go for the burnt pieces? I I didn't have a choice. Yeah, the lady just covered ranch. <laughs> yeah, so uh, those were actually my favorite pieces because I felt like they had the more. I felt like they had more flavor. The burnt the burnt pieces. So what did you do with your coke when it was halfway full? Oh, what do you did mean? Did you drink the other half or did you use it for something else? Oh, I did not dip, dude. 
Dude. That is disgusting. Dude. So I know you did. Well, and uh, I well, can't even it's not just me, like, my friend. It was, it was like the half of the school. Yeah. It was I like can... when we were in Spanish class, bro. We get that <laughs> we get that dip out. Pack it up. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. You pack it up. You put a big old hog in. You listen to the Spanish teacher do whatever she's got to do because she doesn't give two, <laughs> two, two cares about what anybody was doing behind her as she was writing on the board. We'd break out the cards, right? We played spades. We threw down, and everybody and their mom was dipping, including the teachers. Mm. They put their feet up on the desk. They gave us a worksheet, and they said, have at it, and they put a dip in and put their head down. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Enjoy, look, look uh, Jesse, Jesse remembers. I was just gonna say one time she literally said, "If y'all would just shut up, you can play cards, and I'll give you a hundred. Just shut up, quit nice. talking." Yeah, cool. you know, I never once got into dipping, um, just because I I really liked uh, making out with my girlfriend. Yeah, um, you spit it out beforehand. Yeah, but you, it's, it's like it's like Forrest Gump, dude. Like you know that scene where it's like she tastes like cigarettes. Did you, you ever? Know, like, did you yeah. ever? Did you have a girlfriend in high school? Uh, yeah, and she's currently my wife still. So I I didn't really have a girlfriend. I well I didn't have a girlfriend that went to the same school that we went to. Jesse didn't have a girlfriend that went to the same school. So we never really had to worry about making yeah. out with our girlfriends mm-hmm. because you know we yeah. didn't uh, we didn't have that. My, my that girlfriend burden. did not go to my school though. She was Harrelson County. Oh, yep. okay. Yep. So we were in rival schools and oh. stuff. But we met it again. Was church. it like youth group? Yeah, yeah. youth group. So you guys started youth dating camp? what it like? Was it youth camp? No, it was no, it was just normal. Our church, uh, we visited that church, just met her uh, in the youth group as wow. we. How old were I you guys? I got a youth camp story by the How way. How old were you guys when you first got together? Thirteen and twelve. Thirteen and twelve. I've never been on a date with anybody else. Wow. We got married right out of high school. We were dated for seven years, and now we've been married eighteen. What? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Dude. That is That's amazing. Crazy. Yeah. So usually usually when you hear stories like that, it's because they got knocked up. Right. 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 And then they were forced Typically. forced to stay together and then like right. a few years later they're divorced. Yeah. Right? That's you that that's super rare. And, and and you guys have stuck it out yeah. like that that's that's really commendable that you y'all just knew. Yeah. You know, th- from the beginning. I don't think they knew. Stuff. I think they just grew. I think they grew together. Well, right? yeah, but at the same time, Pretty like much. Like, they're, they how could have, they possibly know that I'm, the next thirty years I'm, they're going to be? Truth be told, I'm too. I'm just scared to leave her. What she would do? <laughs> what she would do to me? What she would do to you? Or like, or like? That's not what I got Sarah for Christmas. <laughs> she oh, drinks yeah. Manhattan's while he oh, drinks yeah. the Hurricanes. Was Come this, on, uh, was this the uh, serial killer coloring book? Was yeah, that what it was? That's what I got Matt yeah. for Christmas. Yeah, oh, she, her birthday. Sorry, her birthday. She's watched way too much Dateline for me to leave her. Man, so Matt, Dude, so let's you, talk you, about that for a second. Yeah. Real quick, man. Real quick, real quick. Why do wo- so many women I haven't I have a theory. Why do so many women watch crime like documentaries and TV shows and movies? Why is that? I have a theory, okay. but I want to hear you guys. They're they're trying to figure out a way to get away with murder. Like that's their only out of their marriage. Okay. Okay. And so they're getting all the my mom's the same way. My okay. mom's been married five, six times, you know. 
Every uh, woman what I happened know to the first four. This. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen them. Uh, <laughs> Every woman I know watches. There's them. a so, smell coming from your basement. Yeah, Jesse. Jesse, new. What do you think, man? Like, why do so many women watch these watch these crime uh, real like really true crime shows? Oh gosh, I don't know, man. I don't. I'm probably not the right one to comment on women as I'm sitting here alone in my house at 38 and single. Um, <laughs> nice. Okay. <laughs> okay. So if I could, I think I think, I think women um, probably fantasize just because women are generally looked at as the sort of weaker sort of inferior whoa that's I, a, I mean that's a rocky road to no trail. no but this is a gender norm right this is this is the for the last for some cultures yeah like for the last couple thousand years like women have been referred to or or looked at as the weaker as property yeah as property sure, right so yeah. um you know i think it's it's kind of women's way of sort of fantasizing about um pushing back against the patriarchy you know, like, like, like they watch the shows to figure out how it works so they can then be armored in order to, you know, I think so. Back. And and maybe it's just a subliminal thing. Maybe it's, maybe it's, you know, something deeper, but, uh, yeah, I think it's just women look, looking at, at a way to get back at, you know, the, the people who have been like keeping them down, you mm-hmm. know, for so long. Right. And, and, uh, I, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things to be said about women in leadership in the workplace these days versus the way things have been. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, take my wife as an example. She's an executive at a church, mm-hmm. you know, and most church leadership is typically male dominated. Mm-hmm. Right? The very top. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like this, this singular voice, mm-hmm. uh, on leadership that is kind of, speaking for an entire, you know, 50 per- 51% of the population, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, and she's outnumbered. Mm-hmm. So, so, so it could be kinda, something like that. Okay. You know? Okay. That's one theory. For I really can't speak into women as a whole because my wife is nothing like anybody other women that I know. She is <laughs> she is more she is really obsessed with psychology of it. Mm-hmm. What, what drives people to go that far? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially with like serial killers, like what led them to this? Mm-hmm. How do they not have the conscience? Mm-hmm. Like she's obsessed with the whole, sure. like the whole journey of what they became and why they became it and stuff. So Matt, you've got to tell the birthday story. Wait man. a minute. What, before you tell the birthday story, <laughs> let me share my theory. Okay. And this is not my theory. This is a theory that I have heard from someone else. I've adopted it because it makes sense. I don't remember. Please forgive me. I don't remember who who said this, but when they said it, it was like, yep, that makes perfect sense. So the reason why, and again, this is just a theory here. The reason why women, generally speaking, women enjoy true crime series, TV shows, podcasts, movies more so than men and and for the record, do you like watching that stuff, Matt Siegel? I like uh, – I'm more into the fictional stories. One to ten, what's the rating? on, on Like the, a true uh, documentary on, about it? No, no, no. Like, well, j- like all of it. Okay. Like, like a scale of one to ten, how many times out of the year – like, 
would you say on that limited scale, would you participate in watching something like that? Oh, uh, five. Five? Yeah. Okay. Jesse New? Oh, I'm, I'm, I've watched some of the Gabby Petito stuff that's going on right now, but outside of that, a one. Okay. You? I'm probably Matt? like a six or seven. But Why is that? The thing for me is I like to be kind of a, a couch detective okay. when I'm watching stuff like that. I'm, okay. I, the whole time I watch it, I'm trying to figure out who it is. That's a very good that's a very good point. And for me it it, it is also it is either a zero or a one. If zero isn't available, I'll choose one. And here's the theory. Yeah. On a scale of one to ten, it's a one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The theory is this. Women truly do not understand the capabilities, psychological capabilities of men to produce such carnage. Mm. They don't understand it. Mm -hmm. They don't know why it happens. Mm. Ergo, they watch it to try to gain a little bit more understanding into what makes men so violent. The reason why men are violent, aggressive, strong, big, competitive is because we have a different biology. That's why the violence, that's why the aggression, right? Mm -hmm. You take the testosterone out of a man and I'll show you a woman. You know what I mean? So so it's, it's, I mean, haven't you seen, uh, there's something about Mary. It's, it's along those lines. It's along those lines (laughs) of like, you know, men are truly wired differently Women are truly wired differently, and we don't really understand what's going on with each other. Women desire to understand it a little bit more because, um, again, this is a theory. Like, I think that women want to better understand men in order to be. Um, but, okay, so let me before before I say the rest of what I'm going to say, let me ask you. Let me pose a question. Do you, on a general scale, feel like you, as in the three of you guys, do you guys feel like women are more competitive against women for men? Or do you feel like men are more competitive against men for women? A or B? Mm. Now, we're not talking about middle school and high school because we're in a confined region, in a confined area. And we only have a limited selection. We're talking about wild fish here. Okay. Okay. We're talking about adults who have jobs, who have the ability to travel. We're talking about, you know, you living on your own as an adult. I know, see, well, it might be a little difficult, not, and I'm not saying that demeaningly, but no, only yeah. because you've only known one, right? Mm-hmm. So that is your goal. That is your tried and true. Mm-hmm. So, so, but like, as like coming from a man's perspective and your answer won't speak to your experience or it won't speak to your ideology it'll just speak from your biology like what you kind of generalize from men and women right so like do are women more competitive against women for the man or men more competitive against men for the woman i think my my uh opinion would probably be women against women for men and only reason i say that is because there's so much work put in with females in appearance mm. and so much effort put forth to be this or that, whether it's hair, nails, the gym, clothing, 
like all the different things and guys kind of like there are the group of guys that are like hey i need to be johnny sure. bravo sure. or whatever but for the most part we're like this is who i am <laughs> right you know she yeah. likes me that's cool she likes him that's cool right. like whatever yeah. and stuff until you're invested when right. you're in, when, when a man gets invested in somebody and feels something for somebody he'll get competitive because i want this right but when from initially i think there's just way more effort for a female uh as she's on her pursuit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey, let me, let me ask a, a, a clarifying question. Are there children involved? No. Okay. Because if there are children involved, that's a different story. Yeah. Then I would say women are far more competitive amongst each other for men. Why do you think that is? Because they need a, they need a father for their children. Why do they need a father in, as opposed to another woman or another person? They need some sort of, um, other figure mm-hmm. in their child's life other than themselves. And okay. the, and the reason I say that, and, and we deal with this with our family is depending on the child, there may or may not be a level of respect for that parent. Okay. Right. And oftentimes you need an external voice mm-hmm. to be that kind of authoritarian figure or, um, you know, or, or maybe maybe there's a financial status mm-hmm. that they're looking for that they're trying to provide maybe a better life for their child. So, in essence, provisions. Yeah, exactly. And so, if if there's children involved, then women are far more competitive amongst each other okay. because they're it, trying to make the best life for their kids. And when there's no kids involved, and when there's no kids involved, then I don't know, man. I've I had kids at a really young age. Would you so. definitively say men are more competitive against men for women? Would you definitively say that and defend that, or would or is it a true? I don't know. I, I don't know, man. I think I think it might be even. If there's no kids involved, I think it's probably even. There, young, I think a, younger in life they are. Yeah, yeah. Pre twenty five, mm-hmm. I think men are, are are more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Jesse knew. Uh, yeah, I think the perception is probably that men are. Um, I think women are pretty competitive, but they do it on a much. Uh, and, and this isn't. <laughs> this is going to sound terrible, but I think women are. Much, they're not as aggressive and outgoing and upfront as men are. So their competitiveness will be uh, sort of behind the back, kind of. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get around this some way. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get him by talking bad about her, but not in front of anybody sort of mm-hmm. strategy you know, behind Cause just cause yeah, just cause women aren't, um, most women aren't as outgoing, like in your face kind of, um, you know, hit you up front with it as men are. So I think the perception is probably men, but I would say it, you know, it depends on the situation, but it's probably equal, you know? Yeah. I tell you what biology says. Okay. It's women. And yeah. the reason is, is because when women, get around a lot of other women, what happens? They, they gossip. Each other. <laughs> they, gossip. Get on, they get on the same period. <laughs> they get on the same period cycle. Oh, gosh, really? No, yeah. that's biology. I'm not yeah. demeaning. No, that's true. I'm yeah. not degrading. I'm not I demeaning. Never went there. I would have never thought. I Yeah, but what I'm saying is the reason why their curiosity is so, in, in, is so heightened by these true crime uh, phenomenon that happens is because it is deep within their biology to really truly understand the way men work mm-hmm. in order to have that competitive edge against other women. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying like 
when a bunch of women get in the same room or hang out together, they're going to get on the same cycle. Why? Mm. The biology is telling them to be competitive regardless. Yeah. Because if they're all on the same cycle, that's when they really got to compete in order to be the most attractive. Put in that extra time. Do that extra work, right? And I could be wrong here. This is just a theory. No, right? I, I think that I mean, I think it's something to be. I mean, if you take that and push it even further, if you look at, um, you know, at the lineage and wanting to produce a, a healthy, um, sustainable lineage throughout, you know, many years in the future, you know, how many how many times can a woman be pregnant in nine months? Right, once. Right. So the person, the man that they pick, needs to be if they've got any sense about it, it needs to be a, a suitor. It needs to be strong and intelligent and, and have, you know, good qualities. Whereas a man, how many women can he impregnate in nine months? Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty open-ended question, but it, I mean, it's just like a shotgun blast where he can, you know, do whatever. And there's a right. chance that by all biologically, he's going to have some good offspring in that. Right. But women, right. you know, they need to be much more selective yeah. in who they pick. So there there was a comedian. I just literally thought about that just now. So yeah. there, there was a comedian that said, uh, out of all my dad's sperm, I was the fastest one. <laughs> Is that right. George Carlin? Was I think that... it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I want to. I want to back up for a second because you you had alluded to something earlier, um, where you had mentioned that that men are typically the the more violent um, gender, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, now, do you think that's because of maybe an example that was set by their fathers? And the reason I ask this is because I grew up basically with a single mom, right? Sure, I had stepdads. Sure, I, I I dealt with you know sort of abusive things, but those those men in my life, I wouldn't say that they were examples, like good examples, right. fatherly examples. Right. All I saw was the negative. Right. And I am absolutely not a violent person. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. You are not a violent person. You're very calm, cool and collected and you handle your emotions. Very. Um, undetectable. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm I, I consider myself to be a stoic. Person. If, you, if you are offended, you don't show it and right. it doesn't seem that you're easily offended. I'm not. Right. So I'm talking about generally, uh, generally speaking, um, man, what's up, Jesse? What's up? Will you say something? You grow. I'm just about, you said offended. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can we can get into offense in just a minute. Men have a social contract with society. Mm -hmm. We have a certain responsibility to bear, and we're giving we're given plenty of examples of this. We have a Superman. We have a Batman. We have a Spider Man. We have so many other men that have gone before us mm -hmm. to make provisions and make the way in order to make the world a better, safer, and stronger place. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's the social contract that we involuntarily signed up for. All right. Now, when you put us into a modern era where there are so many different complexities where we don't know our asshole from our thumbs, right? It, we kind of get lost in here a little bit. Right. We don't know where we fit. Like I'm, I have this aggression because, well, number one is biology. You, so you have a lot of testosterone going on a lot more than women. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
you have these um, you have these intuitions to be a little bit more rational and reasonable um, than let's say other sexes such as women, right? And the, we attribute that to ourselves. It's not necessary. It's not me necessarily saying that that men are more rational than women. It's what we as men attribute to ourselves in our current society. The reason is because we've seen a lot of flip flop in women because of emotional distraught uh, distress going through whether it's a it's a time of the month or whether it's uh, this other thing. And then therein lies a social contract with women. They are able to show their emotions. Ergo, we attribute this the social weakness to them because they are emotional. We need to be the opposite and be strong, right? So because you are not um, flippy-floppy with your emotions, you tend to not get uh, offended easily. Um, is that an attribute that has been given to you from your father because he was, for the lack of a better term, almost non-existent, right? You've had male figures in your in your life, and I'm not saying that your dad is a bad person because he's a great person. No, he's a great person. Circumstances came about. Absolutely. That that did not afford him the opportunities to be with you more. Correct. Right? Yeah. So I, are, the, are your personality traits uh, an attestment to uh, your dad? I don't think so. Like, I think some of the personality traits that you have are are biological. Yeah. Right? But I think that others are constructed by your by your own way of making sense of the world and the way that you best know how to. Sure. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean if you ask my mom, she'll tell you I'm exactly like my dad. Like personality yeah. wise, like the way I handle conflict is pretty much exactly the way my dad handles conflict. Yeah. You're also again, you're also afforded this privileged opportunity to be in the modern era. Correct. And in yeah. a thousand years ago, you would not be necessarily be in the same situation. Agreed. Agreed. Right? Now you you may have had you may have the same way of like you, you know, and therein lies you got to split the hairs. Like what's biology and what's socially? Mm -hmm. What's socially derived? You know what sure. I mean? <laughs> well, so how do you determine that in this day and age? Yeah, I, I mean, I think for me as a kid, just because my exposure to my dad was limited. I think I probably subconsciously had this this uh, idolization of wanting to be just like my dad, right? Um, just just like his his mannerisms, his his personality. You know, I, I think because I didn't have enough exposure to that as a kid, I tried to just hang on to whatever I had, whatever limited exposure I had, and tried to glean what you know, little, little bit of, of, um, things I could take away from him, um, as a kid early on, or maybe it is biological and maybe it, it wouldn't matter if I had even ever met my dad, I'd probably still turn out the same way. Who knows? We don't know. Yeah. We don't we'll know. Never know. Um, yeah. but, but I think a lot of the reason why I am the way that I am is because of, um, having gone through so many divorces as a kid, right. And not having a true, like that's very hard, dude. Yeah, like a twenty four seven, a twenty four seven, um, consistent father figure, right? Like somebody who who was there all the time, no matter what. 
I had these kind of um, distanced sort of guys who who would try to parent at me. You know what I mean? Like throw out commands and and discipline from a distance, but not ever truly try to get to know me. What is to be said about those people who try to do that? And I'm going to use restroom again. Yeah, yeah. I've had uh, many yeah. drinks. And, Sorry, and, guys. And it's nothing. It's nothing against them per se. I mean, they they inherited me in their circumstances, right? But I I think just in going through those experiences, I probably uh, saw a lot of things that I didn't want to recreate as a father myself or as a husband myself. I wanted to be kind of the opposite of these kind of, you know, I wouldn't say they were necessarily bad examples, but just things that I wouldn't have done. Yeah. You know, um, I think following in footsteps is powerful. If you have that, you know, before you, that example, but I think it's just as powerful to understand what you don't want to be. Yeah, and, and turn from that yeah. with your life. I think the, both of those ways can be very powerful mm-hmm. in who you become. Yeah, but it, it, and I agree with you 100%, but it has definitely caused a lot of um, s- sort of uh, non-confident, like little confidence in my ability to be a good father, be mm-hmm. a good husband, just because I didn't have that consistent day-to-day example of what a good father or a good husband should be. Um, And, and so I'm totally winging it, man. Yeah. (laughs) Like I have no idea if I'm doing good or bad, you know, all all I'm, all I know is I'm just trying to make it, you know? Um, But I'm, I'm trying to, to sort of forge my own path. That's why you go to church to have friends like this. Hey, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. I gotta say, this has been super interesting when we, when we, Got in here today. I was like, oh, "What are we going to talk about?" I thought we were going to talk about like '90s WWF, and <laughs> yes. like uh, we have talked about religion and yeah. why women watch uh, serial killer shows. Yeah. This has been very interesting, dude. Yeah. I, I, I've, got a list, I've got a list of stuff we could talk about if y'all want to. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny you say that because I I almost made a list too, in the spirit of preparedness, because I know how how Ryan kind of laid into both you and me, Jesse, about. Uh, wanting yeah. to have like a, an agenda of topics to cover <laughs> segways <laughs> yeah, segways and things like that. I feel like that if I, and this is no knock, so please don't take it this way. Okay. So people are built differently. You know, people are truly like people respond. People have different uh, determinants, right? That, that are the catalyst for their own interactions. Okay. And basically what that means is, if you say anything, I'm going to respond. I'm going to listen, and I'm going to get a little bit deeper, or maybe change the subject to get into something else. Yeah, not everyone is that way, and I found that out. If you say hello to someone, or someone says hello to you, right, right, two different scenarios. If Good, you. you? Say, yeah, exactly. If you say hello to someone, they say awesome, and then they leave. Right. That's that's that's. We're not going to get into the social contract constructs that they have developed on their own to be antisocial or even to be busy because we don't know what's going on in their life. But like when you're sitting down and having a conversation, like, you know, there's a conversation that's going to be, that is planned and that's coming up. Like for me, having a prepared list is almost like a disservice. And I think I mentioned that in our, in our episode as well. And, and, but I also said that that was me. 
that's on me. Mm-hmm. Because if I yeah. did that, that would be a disservice to me. Mm-hmm. If others did that, that's what they do. That is how they prepare. That is what that is what they live for. They live for preparation, organization, order, and execution. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. don't. I don't like. Yeah. I I live for the moment. The inspiration mm-hmm. that I that is fed from our interactions, sure. and I I live off of that, and I love that. Yeah, I I see this a lot when I'm like at church, and I may not always be the most articulate, uh, and sometimes the most stupidest, but I still enjoy it. <laughs> most stupid, <laughs> nice. Um, so so w- w- I go to a kind of a big church, right? There's there's a. a a lot of people that go there. It's like 10 or like 20. It's like over, it's over a thousand. It's between like one and 3000, you know, prior to COVID, it was like 3000. Um, and, and I, I've kind of learned like when I'm, when I'm going out and in, in between services, you know, when, when people are like, we do multiple services. So between there, it's time to socialize, whatever I can kind of tell if someone, wants to or doesn't want to talk to based on how they respond to my greeting. Mm-hmm. Right? Like yeah. I can say, "Hey, what's up, man?" and they're like, "Oh, I'm good." You? I'm good. Like I kind of get yeah. it. It's like, "Oh, okay, you don't really want to talk." Social cues. Yeah. If that were me, I'd be like, "Oh, cool. What are you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> what are but, you doing for lunch? <laughs> but I feel like I feel like most most right. people when they're in those kind of environments, they don't really want to talk. Yeah. You sure. know? Sure. They just want to like it's kind of over sensory in those moments too. Yeah. You're in a lobby with seven, eight hundred yeah. people. People are getting coffee. People are heading in the service, out of the service. You're yeah. just like, like they want to be seen but not heard, right? Mm. You know, mm. um, get in and out. Yeah, in, in and out. Just but I, I've kind of like used that as an example for social situations outside of church. Mm-hmm. You know, like if somebody responds to me in the same way. I understand. Oh, they don't really want to talk. They're just being cordial. You know, um, I just find it interesting. Like most people, when they're in those kind of environments, they don't really want to talk. Yeah. You know, they, they don't want to interact. They just want to have the appearance of an interaction. I would say I'm kind of in between your approach and probably theirs. I, if I come up with something and I put a note of it, it's probably because I want to talk to you about it. I'd love mm-hmm. to hear your stance on this. So mm-hmm. I'm going to make a note that I don't forget to do it. Not I need this agenda so we have something to say. Mm-hmm. Did you make any any notes like that today? <laughs> Not really, because okay. I, I, was, I was coming in pretty blind. Like nice. you, these, you, you, you have such a cool. relationship already here. Yeah. So I didn't know if I'd just be over here going <laughs> inside jokes the whole time. Like, you, this is good. And you do, too. Yeah. And you do, too. Yeah. yeah. This is pretty awesome. Yeah. So yeah, very yeah I, I feel like I feel like we've we've up to this point done Matt somewhat of a disservice. I feel like I feel like the the audience kind of needs to know a little bit more about like who okay. Matt is and and what Please. his yeah what his story is. And I, I know we're kind of already deep in the conversation, but mm-hmm. it's fine. Um, yeah, but there's a reason you're here. So who are yeah. you and what are you doing here? <laughs> who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> who do you work for? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Show that turd who's boss. <laughs> um, I actually work for myself currently. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, uh, a couple of years ago I stepped out of the church ministry scene, um, a partially to heal, but B 
to um to heal from like church hurt yeah just the whole thing yeah i really i love still going and i still actually serve at a, a large church here in town i sing but it's not vocationally i'm i'm kind of from behind the curtain and just enjoy the relationships and and enjoy being a part of it so it's a lot less structure and, and stuff it's mm-hmm. not uh it's who i am but it's not what i do necessarily yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyways, um, yeah, so I, I stepped out to do videography, which is just a skill set that just kind of came randomly in my 30s. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't, I wish I was one of those guys, you know, that you're like, man, I've been in, just so infatuated with film since I was a kid and mm-hmm. there's no telling, you know, where you'd be also. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It was kind of like an accidental thing, right? It was like you got hired as the worship leader. Oh, by the way, can you do videos for us? Yeah. Yeah, you know, and then you just like dived in and and be- YouTube your university you really good at it. Yeah, YouTube your university. I mean, I've taken courses and stuff like that online, but it's all been just uh, a new passion that happened in in my thirties and stuff. So, and then eventually just getting enough work where I could do it on uh, on my own. And so, so you kind of skipped over the the part that you own your own videography business. Yeah. So, so when did you start that business? So I was doing it part time. Uh, every videographer I know started with weddings. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm kind of different that I started doing stuff for the church, just kind of half, but didn't know what I was doing. I was a good storyteller, but not good on the technical aspect of being a videographer. What like, is a storyteller in context of a videographer? So a videographer is just good at visual to me using the visuals, doing a great job of lighting, sound, like visually telling the, the story is actually what happened in somebody's life or, okay. and I can craft the way to say it, but my shots might not have been that pretty. Mm, you know see. what I'm saying? I see. Yeah. And stuff. So, so over time, the skill set catching up with the already ability to tell story. Mm, okay. And stuff. Where did you develop that sense of storytelling? Uh, Probably in songwriting. Really? Because uh, I was... All those years writing original music and stuff. So, uh, and I, I think I've always enjoyed telling story, and it was usually mine mm-hmm. through song or what I was going through, whether it be a painful season or whether it be joy or whether it be connection. When did you write your first song? I was fifteen. Uh, it was it was bad, but it was called "Strength in the Night," mm-hmm. and it was literally <laughs> uh, just about. Uh, I, I, I've always had a spiritual context, everything I did with God. Like I grew up in a Christian home worship leader, dad, um, my whole family was very plugged into church. So everything is always rooted in my faith. Everything that I do, mm-hmm. it has that connection. I believe in God, have faith in God. Cause I saw my sister healed mm-hmm. of lupus, mm-hmm. you know, losing her hair, mm-hmm. bones, you know, frail mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know if they ever gave her a time frame to live. Mm-hmm. And when she was like 10, I, I'm not sure if they gave her a time frame, but she was really bad. For, and now she's in her 40s and a personal trainer. Well, forgive my ignorance. The lupus is what exactly? So uh, the what I really know of it was it was causing frailty in her bones, easily break. Um, she was losing her hair. Um, I'm not sure all the internals of what it does. Um, is it I, like a cancer or... It, back back then, Jesse, it was it Jesse. was a much more prevalent thing. Yeah. Back then, you got to stop making that noise, bro. My bad. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to find something that's going to be good. So sorry, go ahead. So yeah, all, all I know is that she was 
very frail, losing her hair, very sick. And over time, uh, they began to pray for her at church. And it wasn't like an immediately thing. But over time, we saw her health improve. But it wasn't because of treatment, because the treatment wasn't doing anything. So for me, I, that gave me faith at a young age. You couldn't tell me any different. When you talk about all this church stuff, like every church could stop tomorrow and it would still wouldn't affect my faith. Like mm-hmm. just because it's been what I've seen God do personal in, for you. in my family and in my life. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with a pastor, a, a church or anything like that. So um, that's what I think. I feel like that that's what true faith is built on. Sure. Yeah. You know, your personal connection. With, yeah. Testimony, yeah. your personal story exactly. of what God did. Um, and we all have a story. It might not be connected to what we feel a tribute to God mm-hmm. getting us through, or but we all have the, a story to tell. So um, everything that I did kind of came back to that. Mm-hmm. And so in my 20s, I started writing music mm-hmm. uh, a lot more and um, got really close to a couple of record deals with like Warner Brothers mm-hmm. and stuff. Um it was so kind did of, you do all the instruments or just the guitar or what? No, no, no. I was in a full band. So I I played rhythm guitar and was the vocalist. Okay. So we had a whole group. Uh, I'm I'm not near as versatile as, as Matt. So what he what he says earlier about the talents and stuff is uh I pale in comparison. He's not uh near his mic, so he can't defend himself and I'm gonna take his mic away so he can't <laughs> say anything. So okay, go but ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I no. think that's where the storytelling though became. It was just um through through wanting to hear either stories I heard mm-hmm. from other people want to mm-hmm. tell this story or whatever it happened through song. And so it just naturally happened with video. Mm-hmm. And so I just had to learn how the heck to do video. So why video though? What, what drew you into the video space? Initially was, uh, there was another guy that was on staff that had come down from Virginia beach as well. And he was moving back. And I said, it, it really, it wasn't an interest. It was a need at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, Hey, dude, you got two weeks. Teach me everything about Adobe Premiere you can so that I can just keep the the boat moving mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and stuff. You know, whether it be announcement videos or stuff for online. Now that we're at the age of online stuff, like we need these mm-hmm. and nobody else is here to do them. So I'll do them. Mm-hmm. And so over that two weeks, I started learning what I could. And then as I started to produce and make the videos, mm-hmm. I just it was just like a snowball of interest mm-hmm. and man, countless hours of just learning shooting on my own until so you have your own videographer business yeah so like do you make things for yourself do you make things for others so i would say half of my work is corporate now i do stuff for everything from colleges churches uh promos for businesses mm-hmm. um all that and then probably half weddings still everybody gets into weddings first sure. and stuff because it, the money's decent. Yeah. The money's decent and you can go full time with it. Yeah. You know? And so a few years ago, I'm shooting like 35 weddings by myself wow. and stuff. And now I've cut it back to more like 15 to 20. Mm-hmm. And so every year I try to make a percentage of my income be less weddings, more commercial, corporate, narrative. Are you partnered with like, or do you know someone that you partner with uh, when it comes to photography as well as videography? I, I have photography friends, and mm-hmm. if, if that's ever needed that I can reach out to, but uh, not directly tied to my company. Okay. Uh, I think the next step for me after I, st- I really start to work into this space more and more is because I'm only in, this has been two years and an, almost six months mm-hmm. of being full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really want to start building a staff, mm-hmm. start with one assistant, 
then build into where I have a crew to do everything. What is it that you want to, where do you want to carry your business to? Uh, I would say the ultimate goal that I have for video um, would be, I would love to work for an organization like um, either telling stories like not natural geographic, but I would love to tell documentary stories of stories that matter. Um, Mm -hmm. Missionaries that have done incredible things that nobody knows about Mm -hmm. the unnoticed that are doing like really amazing things Mm -hmm. for God Mm -hmm. or, uh, and shining light on that where they have funding or, you know, just the people that aren't looking for the notoriety, giving Mm -hmm. them some props to help with what they're doing. So would you want to step into, into the documentary space? Yeah, I think, I think that's one of the things. Regardless of the topic. Yeah, I think so. I think that's, uh, I've really been looking for the right topic to do one. I was going to ask you other than religion, obviously you have a personal connection with your faith and I understand that. Sure. Other than that, and other than the the things that you talked about as far as, you know, doing videography or whatever, there is typically, you know, typically speaking, like when a, whether it's like artists that come in all shapes and sizes typically have a vision that they mm-hmm. that they have mm-hmm. um, that they want to portray and share with the world. Right. So when it comes to your videography, like what topic Again, yeah, I, I understand the faith thing. I'm with oh, you yeah. on that one. But that's just the base. Other than that, like, what are some of the things that you want to share with the world? Yeah, um, I think for me, I've always, I was always drawn to heroic stories of like, oh, like a nine eleven stories. The the one guy in the stairwell, the that goes back up, like telling these stories that nobody would have ever known yeah. of a heroic act that happened. In this night, in this train station that, you know, there was witnesses, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. these stories that nobody would know um, of that kind of thing really interests me. And I also love um, people that push through tough things, like whether it's athletics or, you know, anytime that there's somebody that people step out of what seems natural and almost does something supernatural. Do you have a favorite director or a favorite videographer or a favorite or a favorite documentary series or anything um, like that that you draw inspiration from? Because there clearly, if you go on Netflix and you search on the, like the fifth or sixth page of options that are available, you're going to get some pretty documentaries that to are To be offered. honest, uh, <laughs> I've never been one to really... Uh, dive deep into like i don't even know half most celebrities names directors names i i enjoy visuals you know when uh I but you see gotta them. have a style though right yeah and that and that i guess that ins- i guess what i mean to say is typically when you draw inspiration from an art you're typically drawing from a style right for so for example my favorite actor is Daniel Day-Lewis, and the reason is is because the style that he uses to approach the storytelling. Sure. Right? So he's an immersive actor. He uses um, – I forget the the technical name method of it. Method acting. Method acting. Yes. I talked about yeah. that with David Flannery. <clears throat> you did. He, he uses method acting, and he gets immersed into the character uh, so much so where his ability to tell the story is indistinguishable from reality. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's his style. And I like his style. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's my favorite actor. Sure. So when it comes to style, there's got to be a different style that you approach this with or else you wouldn't feel as uh, connected to it. You wouldn't have drawn so much 
association with the storytelling and videography for your personal self. Mm-hmm. Um, but because you feel like that you can portray the story in a way that does make sense. That's good. And that does convey the story in a way that will inspire others. Right. So sure. that, that storytelling ability style, like what is yeah. that? I think for me, uh, the way I label my company is authentic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the use I use, uh, the word I use to kind of describe that would maybe set me apart from different companies, uh, is I like to, even with wedding films, I want it to feel, I want it to be cinematic and beautiful, but I also want there to be a rawness to it as well. So you get both. Uh, so visually I want it to be like, whoa, these shots are yeah just clean, well lit, this beautiful mm-hmm. like stuff. I haven't drilled down to probably say this, this director or this whatever, but I like s- stuff that moves you to the heart. Like anything that moves you to the heart of a situation, it's not surface. Um, and so I would but say. But you definitely have a style. You, you definitely have a style that's uniquely you, though, Matt. I mean, you know, just the other day we were, you know, you were showing me some video. Um, I won't speak exactly about what it was, but some video that, that you had helped with with another project. And in watching that video, I could tell when you shot it versus when other people shot it. So there's definitely a style there. And, and you know, I don't know how to put it into words and help you out with that, but there's certainly a, you know, visually or artistically, there's yeah. definitely a style that makes you unique in and what you, you do that I can work. No, I'm sorry to cut. No, 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 Go ahead, Jesse. I'm Are sorry to cut you off, man. No, I, I was just saying there's definitely, there's definitely a style. I don't, you know, again, I'm I guess not I just have I can't. I guess I haven't labeled it enough. That's what I was going to say. You know, I guess guess I haven't created this is necessarily my brand. Now, other people might be able to speak of what what sets my work apart from other people's work Mm -hmm. uh, better than me. Mm -hmm. You know, because I feel like I draw little pieces from several things I see. You know, whether it be, oh, I love how, you know, they use lighting to tell the story or the color temperature or whatever it is. If I could give one, it, your if I could sum up your word in one, or I'm sorry, your work. <laughs> if I, I could sum I've up your word in one work, if I could sum up, <laughs> if I could sum up your work in one word, it would be mood. Like you have a really n- great way of capturing the mood of whatever it is you're shooting. And I love your color grading. Like the way that you grade colors is like, it's just got an, it's got an aesthetic, man. It's like, you know, Instagram worthy. It's, 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 um, it's just really good. Like when you look at it, like when earlier, but before we started recording, I was showing, uh, Matt, um, uh, some of those, yeah, right. some of the sound design yeah. stuff that I was working on, right. Yeah. For yeah. this film. Mm-hmm. And you walked in for the short film well, that you're yeah, doing. Yeah. Ryan, you walked in and you said in like two seconds from when you like saw it, you're like, Oh, that looks amazing. You know, Matt um, is very modest as well. For those who are listening, uh, <laughs> don't mistake his talents for, to be, uh, you know, taken lightly either. So for sure. anyways. Yeah. And so, so that's how I feel when I see Matt's stuff. Like when I look at his thing, it's like he's got the look down. Like yeah. he knows exactly what what colors to use to capture this mood. And it's not generic. It's like you can look at it and say it's it's like top quality, like top of the top. You know what I mean? One of the one of the things that um that help people get better at what they do is feedback. 
So it, it comes back. It comes down to this comparison thing that we were talking about earlier. Well, you maybe, know? maybe. Yeah, like uh, of course you're you're trying to get better as yourself, but. Um, well, how does he receive feedback though? Like, how do you receive feedback on your work? It's, it's my honestly. For me, the critiques come from myself. Yeah, you need sure. to you need to change that. And the reason yeah. here's the reason. All right, when you're trying to grow a business and when you're trying to build a crew. Um, the feedback that you need to receive, uh, because you you are your if you're anything like Jesse knew, which I think you kind of are in this vein, you are your worst critic and Matt Pethel here, and oh, for my, sure. and my I mean yeah. you're like us right yeah you're your worst critic yeah however the feedback that you receive do, do you know what um the MV you know what an MVP means. Uh, just most valuable player. Okay, so it means minimum viable. <laughs> it means minimum viable product. Okay, okay. A minimum viable product in the tech world is basically a product that you create in order to um, gain usage to generate feedback. Mm -hmm. It is not the final product. It is not the product that is on the shelf. It is not the the, the end game. Right. Okay? The MVP is something that you put out into the world in order to. Re in order to receive more feedback to improve the product, mm -hmm. right? So your MVP, how long have you had this company? Uh, full time for two and a half years. Okay, so two and a half years. I would argue that you're still in the, strictly speaking, in the videography world because some people have been doing it for decades, if not, you know, yeah, in the family business centuries, mm -hmm. right? So you have... Uh, are you are still in the MVP stage, meaning that you are building something that can be used by others, right? You're building up a service, a videography product, service, business that can be used by others. And if your only critical feedback is coming from yourself, the only direction that you're going to go in order to give the people what they want is determined by you. Yeah. yeah. Which is not necessarily the best thing to do. Yeah. When you when you do these projects, however, however, uh, whatever method you choose to receive feedback, do it right. But you got to get some mm -hmm. feedback from other yeah. people, and this will help you design or articulate your style for sure. And the reason is is because you want to be able to sell yourself on a point, if not two, that tells people how different you are from others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Matt can see your work and he says that it's great. Jesse can see your work and he says that it's great. I I don't know you. Right. Right. How am I going to see your work without talking to these guys? Yeah. You know what I mean? So if I look online for videographer services and I see something on your website that says this is how I'm different from the competition mm -hmm. and this is what I can provide you. Here's a sample. Like. Getting that feedback just helps you generate yeah. that as a whole, you know? Yeah. I think that, you know, I get re I get revisions from a client, but I don't, it's not really, it's almost, ask hey, them, could you just change this? Ask them for feedback. Yeah. At the end of the session, at the end of the project, say, hey, listen, it can be one word. It can be three sentences. Do you mind providing feedback? Yeah. This is not going to be published anywhere without your consent. Mm -hmm. This is for me. Yeah. You right? know what's funny, though? Like, I feel like. Us as how, creatives. What's us, like, how do you feel about that, though? How not, do you feel about the whole feedback thing? Real quick. Um, I would love to have. The, the thing is, I I take critique well from somebody that does what I do. 
better than me? That's what I was about to say. Ah, uh, but that's yeah. a world that that's interesting... that's where I have I have a hard time taking from somebody that has no creative but juice. I, but they're like, hey man, I do have disagreements with that yeah. though. Yeah, we can we can get let, let me let me, get let me jump in real quick too because I I got a, a I'll throw a spin on that. So has, has anybody? I'm assuming not because it's a really old book. But has anybody ever read The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand? I don't read books. What are books? So there's people yeah, no, most people have heard of Atlas Shrugged. I think Sarah's yes. got a copy of it. Yes. Um, yeah. most people have heard of Atlas Shrugged. Fountainhead is prior to Atlas Shrugged, and it talks about an architect who was so dead set on his style that he refused to listen to feedback from anybody else and was dead set on doing what he wanted to do. And I guess my argument in that is that it is good to receive feedback, but you don't want to receive feedback that takes you away and makes you start to do something that you don't want to do, right? You, you don't want to, put- you don't want to change your style. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, don't, you don't want to change. You don't want to change your style to fit the masses and then do something that you're not passionate about. So I would, I would say to counter what you're saying, Ryan, is that you want to be careful. Feedback is good because, I, I, yeah, I am my almost critic. I think Matt, all four of us are. But you have to be careful in receiving feedback from other people that then in turn cre- causes you to change your style and your vision to, yeah. to stray away from what it is that you're passionate about. So I'm not saying be stubborn and only do what you're doing now. But you need to be really, really careful in receiving feedback that takes you away from where you need to be. Yeah, and there, there's something to be said about that too. Like, and I've, I think I've alluded this to this. I've alluded to this before in uh, maybe an episode that we haven't put out yet. But um, there's a there's a famous musician. Uh, his name is John Mayer, and he says it's my it's my inability to sound like my heroes that makes me sound like myself. Right? Like mm-hmm. he has a goal. He mm-hmm. wants to sound like his his hero, like mm-hmm. Stevie Ray Vaughan or whoever it is. But because he can't, it, it, it's it, it's still he has his own sound. Yeah, you know, and it's the same thing with you. Like you have people that you look up to in that sure in that field. Like you have your your uh, what's his name Peter? What's his name McKinnon? Yeah, Peter yeah. McKinnon. Guys like that who who have done it for a long time. Who, who is this? There's a, there is a few YouTubers that I learned so much from, and I'm like, God, their work is just so. Whether it's their, the way they edit or where the color or just whatever, I mean, there's a. I take pieces from a lot of people to create, and so my critiques in are against myself. I'm like, this is real good, and they're happy, yeah, but it's not as good as his. I see, and I'm gonna get there exactly. Yep. And so there's this object, there's a, this objectiveness, right? Like we have our own. It's a technical objectiveness yeah, because it, you're your worst critic when it comes to your technical abilities. Yeah, yeah. But, but you have an idea of what you want your look to look like. But we yeah. need to right? expand. And, and you have this goal that you're trying to reach, mm-hmm. you know, and and this kind of comes full circle to what we were talking about earlier, right? Like this 1% better thing mm-hmm. with ourselves. But I think personally, um, in order to truly achieve your potential, you have to have some sort of goal outside of just getting better at your, as yourself. Uh, and this is just my personal opinion. And it's, and it's not to, to poo-poo anything that's been said before, but there you do have to get better personally but what are you getting better at what's this goal what's this thing that you're getting better at right like you have to have something that you're striving for and oftentimes we use that as a comparison 
tool, you know, to say, hey, I really love what this person over here is doing. I want to try to be like them. I want to try to do, I want to try to meet their level of quality. It doesn't mean that I'm copycatting them, but there are things about what they do that stand out to me as a creative that I, I want to, I want to emulate, you know, and like, like John Mayer said, you know, because I can't be exactly like them, I'm still striving toward this, this sort of level of quality that it's going to, it's, I'm going to put my own fingerprint on what they're doing. Everybody in the creative world is, is a copycat in some sense. Yeah. Right. There is, especially in music, like people still riffs all the time. People still grooves like drum beats all the time and they put their own, their own spin on it. But, and there's the old adage, there's nothing new under the sun, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's mostly true. Like probably 99% of the time, that's exactly true. People are copycatting each other all the time. But what is it about you yourself that you're putting your fingerprint, right? Everybody has a fingerprint and everybody's fingerprint is different. You know, I can't unlock your phone with my fingerprint if you're using your fingerprint. Well, I couldn't agree with you more in that. Yeah. Um, therein lies the creatives, the, the creatives as business owners dilemma. So do you create a product where you are continuously either pivoting or accommodating your customers Mm -hmm. in order to gain capital Mm -hmm. or are you sticking to your guns, doing what you do and whoever wants to come in through who wants to come through that door comes through that door. Like, are you doing it in order to grow a business or are you doing it to be 100% authentic? Um, I think a little of both. Like I want to, I want to create, uh, which I think is already in place to it at a certain scale. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously I want to grow that scale, but I feel like I want to create a brand of what I do that people, the people that come to me want what I do. I don't want to continue to, I can be what you need me to be like, no, it's, I'll be constantly striving to make people happy. I want people to come to me because they're, they're like, you do what I need you to do. And I love what you do Mm -hmm. and stuff. So that would be my end goal. I I mean, I have, there's a lot of micro goals within all this. Like I want to do enough. I want (laughs) to, I want to do jobs that I am passionate about, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, I don't want to overwork. I want to make enough where I have a life. Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of people like in our industry just work and you can make as so much as you want to make. What's your ideal work week? 25 hours, 40 hours, five hours. If I'm shooting your, your ideal uh, as a business owner, your ideal. I would say um, I would love to be shooting 20 hours a week Yeah, and editing maybe 10. Yeah. That tells me that you, that you want to get, uh, the growth mindset going on when it comes to your business. Mm-hmm. And you have to learn to take some feedback from others who n- may not necessarily know where you're coming from as a videographer, mm-hmm. who may not know your field the way that you yeah. do. And the reason is, is because they're the consumers. Yeah. People like you aren't consumers. Yeah. You're the creators. Right. So when you're the consumer, you have a different feedback outlook. Mm-hmm. So Listen. Right. And all, think, also, also, this is coming from everybody who knows nothing about nothing. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to videography. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, so there, there's something. There's something. Jesse that, owns his own business, though. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So look, there, there's something that I read about the other day and it was talking about like as a creative person who, who provides the service, how much should you charge? Mm-hmm. Right. And so uh, there's this, this concept of, of, or this thought of, you know, maybe because I'm new or I don't have a lot of experience, maybe I shouldn't charge as much, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's this psychological effect of if I charge as much as these people who've been doing it way longer than me, mm-hmm. th- because I charge this amount of money, it's attributing a level of quality, mm-hmm. right? It's saying, hey, even though I've only, let's say I've only been doing this for six months, I know that what I'm doing is as good as, if not better than these people who yeah. are choosing are charging two times, three times, four times as sure. much money. Um, and so it, it, I, I just found it interesting that, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to, just because you have little experience, you don't have to charge a small amount just because you're trying to break in, sure. you know, you can charge as much as these other people. Um, Absolutely. Based on the quality, like j- just the the dollar amount that you're putting on your product attributes a level of quality to it. Yeah. When I, uh, when with weddings at least, cause I've been doing weddings for five years. Yeah. With weddings at least, I'm perfectly cool with 90% no's. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a price point and you know, if you don't want to pay that and you, you would rather pay this person that much to do it. Cool. That's, I, I, I'm totally comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Because I've gotten to a point where I really don't want to do a lot of them. Yeah. So there's it's very freeing to be like, I'm going to charge this. If you want to book me, cool. If you don't, that's cool too. Yeah. And, and stuff. You, and you have the luxury of, at this point in your career in this field, you have the luxury of being selective. You don't have to just take on any job or you don't have to take on every single person that rings you up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I would have used to have said yes to just about anybody. Yeah. And that's kind of where I am with my film stuff. Like I, I feel like I almost have to say yes to every opportunity just because the opportunities are few and far between. Yeah. You know? And, and I I think once, once I get a little more clout and a little more, you know, uh, experience in my portfolio, if you will, I'll be able to say no to things. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be able to only say yes to the things that I want to do, but not everybody has that luxury, you know? Jesse, as a business owner, man, like how did you, yeah. when you first started um, Fur Babies Cat Cafe, which again, people, if you are in Carrollton, please check it the f- out because it is amazing. Uh, yeah. My wife and my daughter went there like a couple of weeks ago and my daughter was, okay, so first of all, I'm not a cat person and we're never going to own a cat. So just know that. Okay. Um, my daughter, yeah. my daughter did all <laughs> she could, all she could to convince me to let her bring a cat home. All it takes is a little pussy to convert you. Hey, okay. amen. <laughs> and you know, who's, who's peddling it more these days in the city of Carrollton? Am I right? Hey-o. Yeah. And again, my, uh, forgive my language. I'm a Navy sailor and I am a, I'm a very straight shooting kind of person, but I'm very compassionate and empathetic. So I apologize if I've offended you by my choice of language, but um, Jesse knew, please, but, please but deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. But deal with it. Please take us through your process of, um, and I would, I would hope uh, kind of a, a living process of receiving feedback and 
making those changes in order to make your business better from the customers? Yeah, so I think, um, and obviously Mass Life's a big part of the business as well. And then uh, is she a co-owner? By, is she a co-owner by the she way? She is. Yeah, yeah, I did. yeah. So okay, awesome. Yeah, nice. um, and then uh, Becky as well. So there's three of us that have uh, say so in, in the things that go on there. Um, but I think the biggest thing that you have to do is you have to start out by defining what success is. So whether that's at the Cat Cafe whether that's in videography with Siegel Films or with a, actually a young man that I'm mentoring at my, my company right now who's in college and is about to get into the, the career field, is you have to you have to start out by defining success because we, we get roped into this mindset in society that we, we should listen to everybody else and what they think and we should grow this. And, you know, if you look at any financial advisor, if you're making money in the first three years of the business, you're not growing fast enough. And all these things, right, that, that, that are the cookie cutter mentality about mm-hmm. how things are supposed to work. But that doesn't work for everybody. So I think you have to start out, you have to define success for what it means for us. And for us, our definition of success was we might make a little bit of money, but that's not the end goal. We want to provide a, a home for the cats in, in the, the county to live freely and have a great environment and to find forever homes with, uh, with people. So we operate our entire business based on that mindset. So number one is the cat's health and safety comes first and foremost in any decision we make. Number two is the people and their comfortability and their experience. And then number three is profit after that, because we do have to keep the doors open, but it's not the opposite of that. It's not profit first and then people and then cats. It is, reverse. We, we focus on the cats first. So every decision we make is focused on their health and safety. If it doesn't, if it's going to, if it's going to make us more money and it's going to improve the enjoyment of people, then that sounds great. But if it's going to be at the expense of the cat's health and safety, we don't even talk about it. Jesse, so, Jesse, real quick, uh, yeah. man, why cats, bro? Why not hamsters? Why not why not <laughs> dogs? Why not alligators or reptiles in general? <laughs> Why specifically so, uh, cats? Um, alligators are illegal as a pet in Georgia, <laughs> so that, that kind of takes that out. Case. Lizards, I, I turtles. Know, um, yeah, I don't know of a terrible hamster population in the county. Um, <laughs> and, and so, quite frankly, it comes down to cats or dogs. And and Matt can speak a little bit about this. Matt Siegel can speak a little bit about this as well because he's a big dog person and now has you know he's uh he's jumped on board and he's on the. Uh, the cat train, if you will, and has a, a little baby girl that they're raising at their house too. So it really came down to cats and dogs. Both are a terrible issue in the county um, and most places, if you will. Um, so, but for, you, for the can sake you give of me a being, few stats? Can you give me a few stats on the cats in the in Carroll County? Oh gosh, um, probably thirteen hundred came through the shelter last year, if not more. Um, there's 300 in the shelter right now that are looking for homes. We've got about 20 at our at, at our facility. Um, so, on average, they take in about 2,000 cats a year. Mm-hmm. They adopt quite a few out. They uh, send some to other shelters up north. And then, if there are some that have terminal health issues, they will euthanize them. But they don't ever euthanize for capacity. So the biggest thing is just trying to find homes for them mm-hmm. um, and having a space to store everybody. If they um, don't, if they don't euthanize for capacity, then where do they keep them if they don't have enough capacity? They 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 stagger intake. So um, much like if you were operating any sort of uh, perpetual replenishment warehouse or anything, you're not going to order more inventory 
until you sell what you have. So in their case, they push inventory out. They push uh, intake out about two to three mm-hmm. weeks. They'll accept. They'll you call. You schedule an appointment. Mm-hmm. Two to three weeks from then, you can bring your cat in. And by that point, they've hopefully adopted enough out to have room for your cat. To so, come in. so is Fur Babies Cat Cafe a sort of solution to a bigger logistical problem with the county as well in taking in cats? Sure, I think mm-hmm. it, it's a it's an outlet for them to have another place to stay. Um, it serves a few purposes. Number one, if if capacity was endless at the shelter and they had unlimited square feet, they could house as many cats as they could take and it'd be fine. Um, but then we, so we help in that regard in taking 20 to 25 cats at a time out of the shelter and into a, an environment. And then we also give more exposure in an environment that is maybe a little bit better suited for people and comfortability. And it, 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 acts more like a, a home as opposed to being in a shelter. The shelter does really, they really do a fantastic job. And we've got a video about it on our site that Matt actually did, which kudos to him for stepping up and helping us out with that. Um, awesome. But the shelter does a great job, but they can only do so much with the, with the, the space that they're limited to. So we just serve as a, an outlet for them to, you know, send cats to us to live in a comfortable environment and then give a, an opportunity for people to come in and see how a cat's going to act in a, a home-like environment. Jesse, remind me, when did you guys open? What was the first day? June 4th. First day was June the 4th. So and, the initial concept, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and, and since then, how many cats have you uh, allowed to be adopted? What What's the number 100 that you're up to? 159. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and, yeah it's amazing. Yeah. In, in just a few Pretty months. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, you, you guys have literally you're averaging like almost three months. 50, yeah, you're averaging like over fifty cats a month. Yeah. That's like more than yeah, two wow. a day, which is yeah. which is yeah, great. It's insane. We didn't and we didn't know what to expect. You know, we knew again we set we set our goal for the, the you know as we opened the company and and how we define success was saying you know if we provide a comfortable environment for people to come in and they can experience this environment and we can adopt out 30 cats by the end of the year we'll be doing great and it i mean it's been insane at the 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 response we've gotten from the community and the people and um it really does feel good so um and going back to your original question ryan like how how we've operated as a business is that we're not trying to be pet smart you know we 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 offer a service that you know we do sell cat supplies you know you can buy litter boxes and food and toys and all that stuff but we're not trying to, not right now at least, who knows what the future holds, but right now we're not trying to grow into a, a giant pet, you know, company. Okay, well, we, we well, let me ask, yeah, well, let me ask you this. Do you yeah. have a 50C3 option in mind in the future uh, or a branch that other companies, um, because let's face it, guys, companies who contribute to nonprofit organizations receive kickbacks from the government. Right. That's no secret. That's that's a world known. Right. Right. So do you have uh, in your scopes a 50C3 option that allows companies to donate to Fur Babies Cat Cafe uh, in order to do both things? Obviously, get the business a little bit of a kickback for donating, but also gives you guys a little bit of that little bit more of an edge financial edge to continue doing what you do. So that's not in the plans right now. I mean, we just operate as a a private business, the for-profit business, Um, you know, Sarah's not going to quit doing what she's doing. 
Matt's not going to retire. I'm not leaving my company. Becky's not leaving her company. You know, we make enough to get by and keep the doors open. We're not going to make a ton off that. And it's kind of the plan. Um, but then in regards to companies stepping up, like huge shout out, honestly, the world's best cat litter, who's our litter sponsor, who is partnering mm. with us. And they, they donate all the litter to us. Yeah. <laughs> <Shameless> <laughs> um, but they donate, um, you know, they, they sent us 2000 pounds of cat litter. Um, right after we open that supplies all the litter we're going to need for at least six months. So, um, that's amazing. They that do is. that as a, yeah, I mean, they're, they're awesome. What so is it called? World, house. Boy, world's what? best. Yeah. It's aptly named. Yeah. So, um, world's best cat litter. Um, so yeah, they, they donate to us. Uh, we have we a few specific customers who, um, who donate to us as well. They send a check every month. So a lot of good people that step up and help us out to do what we do. Um, and we're super blessed to be, a, you know, to be able to do it and offer it to the community. Matt, can we reach out to World's Best Cat Litter to see if we can, like, get have it? them be a sponsor of sure. the podcast? Yeah, why not? That'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah. why not? I yeah. mean, they'll, they'll sponsor Jesse's thing, so why not this podcast? Talking I mean, about it, yeah. give them a plug. <laughs> yeah. So, but when it comes yeah. to critique, though, Jesse, I think you would agree yeah, with me back. on critique. I think you would agree with me that you've probably gotten several critiques since the beginning. Sure. And some of them yep. you thought these are viable things that we should do, like whether it comes mm-hmm. with like age limits or all the different yeah, things. Yeah. But there's also been those things like this person doesn't know what they're talking about. I can't <laughs> yeah. listen to this. Mm-hmm. That, absolutely. Know? So that's a great point, Matt. I mean, so one of the biggest critiques we got from the very beginning, we, we set our age limit at eight years old. No questions asked. If you were under that, you couldn't come in. Um, and then after the first day, we bumped it up to 10 because, quite frankly, there were some crazy kids in there that were just insane. So we were like, mm-hmm. we got, we are in we're going to set this, we're, yeah, we're, we're set this thing at 30 if we, if we keep on it this way. So, um, so, but, but we, um, and sober. We, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but we, we did, I mean, to Matt's point, we listened to some feedback and we looked at what other places were doing and decided on a different, uh, a different model where now any kid can come in as long as they have an adult above the age of 18, that's responsible for them. So we can have five, four year olds in there now, as long as there's five people above the age of 18 that are with them to make sure that they're treating the cats with respect and, you know, not, uh, not harming them at all. Because again, again, going back to our decision process, the cat's health and safety is number one. So if there's children in there, it's great to have a bunch of kids in there running around because that's money for us. But if it's harming the cats and endangering them Mm. and making their life miserable, it's not even a question. So we start there and then we work down. But yeah, so we take that kind of feedback and we do adjust. But then there have been some things where, you know, it's like, have y'all considered live music on the patio? Because we've got a huge patio at the facility we're in. Well, that sounds great. You know, have somebody like, you know, have you three out there playing and singing. But quite frankly, that's not good in theory because the cats are going to be miserable if there's a bunch of loud music on the patio. So um, so some feedback we take. What about speakers on on the patio? Outside, out, yeah, outdoor speakers that you could play at a low level. Uh, it was, I mean, yeah, maybe. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's something we could, yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, but well, but like there again, you got a bunch of people what? running around. Exactly, poetry reading on the patio. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think you, you go ahead, Matt. You got to say something. Siegel. I mean, I was just going to say the good thing that you guys have going is your core values of does this serve the core values of my company? So you always have that filter. Like with my company, I don't necessarily have that filter in place. Uh, 
because it's kind of split between I just want to make money and do something I enjoy, mm-hmm. and I also want to do I want to do jobs that pay the bills and one for the meal, one for the real. If you ever heard that, sure, yeah. I want to do projects <laughs> that I'm really really excited about that might not have the money, but I also want to make good money doing what I'm doing. So at the end of the day, mine's a lot more shallow, probably. Um, in some aspects, like I'm just making a living yeah. doing something I enjoy. Well, you just haven't developed, yeah. you know, that gatekeeping, <laughs> yeah. uh, thing that Jesse and them, there's about. nothing to measure. Yeah. Measure that up yeah. against. That's like, I think, point. I think that's well, you the have a moral compass, companies, though. right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's certain things you aren't going to do no matter what the pay is. Right. Um, yeah. If somebody but, wants I mean, me to I shoot porn where... for them, I'm probably not going to do that. <laughs> Unless the price is That high. goes against my core belief. Like, <laughs> yeah. But what if they gave yeah. you like a hundred thousand dollars to shoot like a 30 minute porn video? And I could do a lot of good with that, you know, yeah, absolutely. That, no, but honestly, that's what a lot of companies struggle with. And I think we're privileged in the, the, the area that we're in to, to be able to operate at minimal expense and in a, in yeah. a, a, um, an area that people enjoy and most people are on board with and they're willing to give and help. You know, So when you step out of that realm and you step into just standard day-to-day businesses, I think that's, that's what a lot of companies struggle with is being able to come up with that. Ryan said it about the gatekeeping mentality that says, okay, I'm going to make Absolutely. a decision and these are the things I'm going to make it on. And it's, it's tough, you know, because it's like, uh, I'm not going to do this. But then when somebody offers you a lot of money, it's, it's pretty easy to fall into it and go, well, I, I'll do it if you'll bump that up a little bit more. So it, that's, that's a tough part of business. And it would be, it would be harder for you to have all these in place. If this was your main source of income too, you'd right. be thinking, so, there's something about freedom of having another option. Right. Like I'm yeah. doing this because yeah. I want to do it. If I this doesn't work, I can do something else. I always used to say this on church staff. The people that had I can go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. knew you had that mentality of like, I'm not gonna just be pushed over all the time. Mm-hmm. I'll serve the mm-hmm. best I can and I'll fall under authority. But when there's things I disagree with, I'm just gonna tell you and I'm gonna let the chips fall where they may because I have other options. Yeah. But then you see people that just are beat down mm-hmm. by the job or in other jobs. It's not I'm just saying church. I, that's yeah. my context. Yeah. But they're just so beat down because they don't have another option. Like right. I don't think I can go anywhere else and make this salary. A lot of people and, don't have other options, man. Yeah. Yeah. They don't. It's true. I think a lot of people end up in that. Um, they end up in that spot too because they have a. I mean, they have a family to provide for, but then they have a house payment, and then they got a car yeah. payment, and then they got tons of credit card debt, and and all this stuff they have to pay this stuff. So you know, I'm not going to go like Dave Ramsey on you or anything, but I think there is something to be said for setting yourself up for a lifestyle that isn't too much, so yeah. that you have that freedom. I think. That freedom, it, it gets forced upon you when you have all these payments that you have to do monthly. Are y'all good? Yeah, you know, yeah he's yeah, adjusting a level. Um, yeah. yeah, go ahead, um, go ahead Jesse. No, so I was just saying, I think the, the American lifestyle of living in all, tons of you know home debt and credit card debt and, and two car payments and all this stuff, it sort of forces your hand into being yeah. stuck into that rat race of, not having the freedom that you're talking about. Cause quite frankly, you know, that's where I'm at right now with my, with my job. I love, I absolutely love my job and it, it provides yeah. for me. I love the company. I work with great people, but you know, I, and I, 
this isn't a secret. Like I'm trying to pay my house off. And then at that point, then it's just a matter of, well, I can work at the cat cafe for a little bit and kind of make ends meet. If I don't have a house payment, a car payment, a credit card payment, and all yeah. this other stuff that's tying me down. Um, so I think there's, there's definitely finding that balance. And, and I think, unfortunately, we've sort of, as a society, gotten into the place where we're, we're reliant on that source of income, but we could, we put ourselves in a position that we have yeah. to have it, but you're exactly yeah. right. And, and, and that, that brings up kind of like a moral dilemma too. Like what, where do you draw the line morally when it comes to what are you willing to do for X amount of dollars and what, what amount of money is, is the line that you draw that says, all right, well, um, I will never do this thing unless like, it's like everybody has a price. Well, isn't that right? determined internally though? Like with your own values that you hold. Yeah. To it, it goes back to moral compass. Yeah. You know, it's not always morals either. It can yeah. be, this is, they're asking way too much on this work time to money ratio. It can be a lot of different things that yeah. make you make the decision, but morals is definitely one when of when you got to come out of pocket for a certain Yeah, production. yeah. Like, this ain't worth it for me, man. Yeah. As much as I'd love to be a part of this, like, you're asking way too much. Yeah, yeah. Julie Julie Hunter, um, uh, previous episode that I did. She was a photographer. She was a photographer yeah. that expressed her... No, I'm not going to say disdain, but her refrain mm -hmm. from producing or uh, doing more weddings mm -hmm. simply for the fact that um, it can actually come out of pocket for her mm. in some ways. Yeah. And the reason is, is because the editing that goes on behind the scenes yeah. can require so much time and effort. Yeah where she is actually losing money on her time, mm -hmm. right? And she can't, it's like, it's crazy. It's, you know, again, yeah. Uh, by the way, real quick, um, for those who are listening, when Jesse said, um, can you guys hear me okay a minute ago? Je Matt was adjust adjusting my, my sound and my own <clears throat> headphones. And the reason is because I just flew in from Virginia into Atlanta uh, to do this podcast uh, with with both Matt's and the Jesse. Yeah, we're in my studio, by yeah, the way. I don't in, think we mentioned that. Yeah, we're in his studio locally. Yeah. Um, I my my left ear hasn't popped yet. Okay, you so, want, so that's why I've been chewing gum this whole time. That's why I've been chewing gum. Okay. That's why I've been drinking. I, I wanted more drink. That's why I needed the volume turned up in the mic. So um, that, because I can't I hear. Think that 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 allows for uh, <laughs> that allows for a good pivot on the conversation too for for cuz I don't know if we're going to do this on video so that people know that originally I was uh supposed to be in the studio with everybody doing this together and I'm That's at my right. house doing this while you three are there at the studio so um and due to covid so I think yeah. that that would be a good pivot to kind of get everybody's uh input Please. on Please no, no 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 and, uh, uh, and then also because Matt so, brought up so because Matt, of you because of you I bought a smaller table. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I was gonna say Jesse. But yeah. So Jesse, Matt Pethel brought up Yeah, I will, but I was gonna say let's get to this then and then okay, but okay. Matt Pethel brought up the fact of what are you willing to do for the money? And, uh, you know, I'd be interested to hear everybody's thoughts on the new, uh, the COVID mandate uh, that, that got sent down with the companies that are greater than 100. Uh, yeah. So I'll, we'll, we'll get back to that. I'll tell the story really quick um, to give everybody a, a really quick uh, synopsis of what's going on with me is that 
uh, I guess two weeks ago, my dad tested positive for COVID. Um, he's uh, has COPD and struggles with that. Thankfully, that's not a huge factor with COVID. What is COPD, of, Jesse? Uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary pulmonary disorder. I think somebody can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Yeah, but your lungs essentially, he's with fluid. Yeah, he smoked for uh, yeah he smoked for 50 years. Uh, created issues with his lungs. Um, but outside of that, my dad's probably healthier than any of the four of us on this podcast. Like. You know, always in shape. Ryan knows him. He's been, he's the same as he yeah. looked back in high school, Ryan. Um, wow. But um, Tuesday of this week, he called me to, um, he had been fighting for a while, but he called me to take him to the hospital on Tuesday to the, the emergency room. And they gave him some uh, monoclonal antibodies, checked him out, gave him some medication for, um, for nausea as well. But just for the fact that I was in the car with him for an hour going to the hospital and an hour back. Um, even though I have been vaccinated, um, and that's not a pitch on vaccines, but it's just a statement of fact. But even though I had been, I didn't feel, I didn't feel like it was the responsible thing of me to do to get into Matt Pebble's basement around all of these guys, knowing that I was exposed four days prior. So um, much appreciated. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Jesse, Jesse knew. I think. I think that that is one of the selfless thing, most selfless things that people can do during these times. And the reason is, is uh, multi-layered. Number one, it shows how much compassion and decency that you have for the human race, right? For other people. That's number one, right? Number two is like you're setting an example for other people, which is huge. Yeah. Right. It doesn't matter if one other person listens to this or a thousand other people listen to this, or a million other people listen to this, right? Setting an example for other people, because the thing is, is that COVID, the COVID is real, whether people take it seriously or not. The vaccine doesn't, it isn't something, it isn't a dead virus that is injected inside of you. It is mRNA, which is basically a medicine that is injected inside of you that creates these these uh, these prickly cells, for lack of a, a scientific term, because I'm not scientific, I'm not a scientist. It, they create these spiked cells, right, in order for your body to say, "Hey, got it. I'm on it. Taking care of it." Tells the other cells to do the same when they're introduced with the same type of spiked cell anatomy, right? So that is that is what the vaccine does, and in that. It allows your body to say, okay, cool. We got the coronavirus. We know what to do with it. Let's not generate so many symptoms because we're not all freaked out, says the cells, right? It doesn't, in, in, it doesn't inhibit you from getting the virus. It just inhibits your body from freaking the fuck out, right? Not going berserk when it gets the virus, not going overboard and trying to overcompensate when it comes to the treatment that your white blood cells and everything else responds to it with. Right. Sure. So so you're so the vaccine is great in that it prepares your body to handle the virus, but that doesn't mean that you can't catch the virus because you could be COVID positive right now if you haven't been tested and you could spread it to us if you were here. Right. Sure. You could yeah, just be absolutely. asymptomatic and still hold the virus. And that that in in and of itself by you could have said nothing. Right, because you have the virus, because you have the vaccine, you could have said nothing, came here, 
did the podcast with us. And even though we are, maybe I'm vaccinated, again, not a plug. That's just a matter of fact. Uh, whether or not the Johnson & Johnson is as effective is, is, is probably bullshit, but it's probably not as effective as the others. And again, um, not to put pressure on others to disclose whether or not they've been vaccinated, but if they have, great. If they haven't, great. But the fact is that you chose not to come here to uh, to limit exposure, right? Which is, I think, self very, a very selfless act. Yeah, and, and I think that's nothing to be taken light. Agreed. Light agreed. And and ultimately, like we don't know how people are going to respond. Everyone COVID. responds differently. Yeah, to COVID exposure. Yeah, right. So who yeah. are we to say whether or not just because we have minimal symptoms or we're asymptomatic, right? doesn't mean that we're not necessarily going to give what other if my people... kids get it if i got it yeah and so i mean i'll divulge i've not been vaccinated but i've had covid and my symptoms were very minimal and i was fine right but that doesn't mean that everyone responds to covid in the same way that's just a product of my immune system right and um you know i would just say when in doubt don't go out you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, like, like if, if you feel like you've been exposed or if you feel like you're, you're going to present uh, a risk to other people who may not have as good of an immune system as you do, you know, the elderly or people with pre-existing conditions, just stay at home for a little while. You know, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that you got to go and, and take the jab, you know, like, sure not that there's anything wrong with getting the jab. Like I personally, I don't care. Like if you want to take the jab, take the jab. Sure. If you don't, don't take it. It's, it's not at this point, it's not a mandatory thing by the government that you have to be vaccinated. Right. But we also have to use common uh, to, sense. A, to an extent. Yeah. To an extent, but yeah, also because we, you got the companies with a hundred or more employees yeah. that are required. Well, here's the, here's the thing about that. Or get negative testing. Here's the thing about that. I'm part of a company that's over 500 people. Yeah, me too. But I'm not required to be vaccinated. You know why? Uh, I'm remote. I'm a remote employee. Okay. Well, so I you never fell have, through the through the cracks. Yeah. So I never have to be in in an office environment with a lot of people. You're not required to get vaccinated. You're required to either get vaccinated or, or have a negative test or have a negative test or negative weekly test. Right. Um, yeah, but at the same time, like I haven't been to the office in a few months. Would your company pay for the tests if if you were? If I think it's covered by my insurance. Your your insurance pay for the test. Yeah, Where would I you go so. to get the test? Like CVS, like a at home test kit, or would you go to like a like so, an urgent care thing? So we actually have a friend who's a nurse, and she administers. COVID tests from her house. Okay. Let's not talk about friends here. Let's talk about like regular people. <laughs> yeah. That may so not know. I would say, you know, go to an urgent care or go to, you know, and your insurance covers that. Yeah. It covers 100%. It. 100%. You know, okay. Cool. So, so yeah, if you're, if you're in doubt, yeah. So if you're in that. doubt, definitely go take a test. Right. I mean, we don't want to be a risk to society. It, I think it's been proven that the vaccine does not stop the spread of the virus. Dude. It just, potentially minimizes the the symptoms that you can get you know what blows my mind bro mm -hmm. is that these vaccines only last for a certain amount of time yeah and who's to say that natural antibodies don't uh, last longer well that and also if they don't mm -hmm. should you get a negative test right 
Or should you take a booster? What do you do? Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the thing. Like, I, I mean, those are the holes in the site. Those yeah. are the holes in the government. Right. Yeah. And, and the problem is that there's, there's like these far extremes of the spectrum as, as far as like, and I know we're going down this rabbit hole. We can, if you want to. Yeah. But like, there's people, but who I got are some like, opinions. Oh, I know you do. I know you do. But there are people who are like, and so does Jesse new who are like, Hey, you must get the vaccine. You cannot go into society without getting vaccinated. And there's other people who are like, I don't care. I've had COVID. I'm fine. You know, uh, I'm not going to get vaccinated. I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm not going to do yeah, anything. Here's, yeah, here's here's my thing about it. And, and so, it, science has proven that the I mean, and, and the numbers and, and my like I'm big in statistics and analytics. And when you look at the numbers, the vaccine has proven that it does limit the um the extent at which any of the the symptoms we're going are going to. Uh, the severity expose himself yeah. in your body. Yeah, okay. severity of the symptoms. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, um, it, it, my in my opinion, it, the vaccine really should be a personal choice because it it doesn't it doesn't prevent you from spreading it. It doesn't prevent you from getting it. It just prevents you from the severity of the symptoms. So, it's if yourself. you are yeah. if you're sitting there pounding your chest that you need to get vaccinated, you need to do this, you need to do that, and then you go and you you celebrate your vaccination with a double cheeseburger and a large frosty. Well, it, I mean, yeah. you ain't, you're not doing yourself any justice because you're, you're trading one, uh, um, yeah, you're going to have a heart attack before you have COVID, right? But so, yeah. It, so my thing is if, if you want to get vaccinated because it's the right thing for you to do, and quite honestly, having gone to the emergency room and seeing the nurse that was caring for seven patients at one time, I, there is there is that to be said. Like mm-hmm. the healthcare system taking a tremendous beating right now. We're starting to come off the the the, the spike, if you will. Um, but if, if if you're not doing it for yourself, and you're not really concerned about the healthcare workers and what they're facing, then then don't get vaccinated. But me, the, the fact is, if you this. do get vaccinated, yeah. Jesse New, let me ask you this. Yep. What is the difference in the definition between freedom and protection? choice uh yeah i mean yeah i think freedom is the freedom to do what you want uh protection is i mean depends on how you're defining protection is it is it um personal protection is a protection of others Um, so let me let me help you so you can help me understand this a little bit better the the president of the united states of america took a vow to protect all the citizens of the united states of america sure Okay, to uphold the Constitution and to protect yeah. and defend the Constitution and the people. Okay. Because we, the people, make up the United States of America. If there were no people, there would be no United States of America for all intents and purposes, right? Mm-hmm. So their job, the Congress, the President's job is to protect the people, right? So... Where do we have freedom in their activity of protection? Sure. Because what they're trying to do is protect us. What they're trying to do is to, let's call it out, keep us from dying. Because the more people that die, the less voters there are, right? Inevitably, 
God forbid, if there is a God, I always say, sorry if I offend anyone. God forbid. I'm so offended by that. <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> and we'll get to offense in just a minute, Jesse New. God forbid that everybody dies, right? Yeah. The responsibility of the federal government is to keep people from dying unjustly. There is an ability to keep people from dying unjustly with this vaccine, with other medications that don't that that don't necessarily earn a profit on upon their purchase. But we're not going to discuss ivermectin at, at the moment. Let's talk about the vaccine that Big Pharma is, is into right now. The the fact that the federal government has to protect the people from dying, right? By mandate, by law, right? Mm-hmm. Wherein lies our freedom within that that regulation? Yeah, when it says when the government says this is for your own good, it is. I think that's when people. But it is though. No, agree, it is. Agree. People want to push back on that because. Who is the government to say what's best for me? I agree with you. My stance is I'm playing a devil's advocate right now. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. just so so here's the thing. Ahead. Here's the thing. If you if you don't set if you if you allow that, right? It, it, all right, so why aren't cars limited to going no more than sixty five miles an hour? Why are we allowed to buy fast food? Why are we allowed to buy beer? Anything? In that in that same argument, why aren't cigarettes completely illegal? There's no medical benefit agree. for cigarettes. So I, I think agree. those that go down that path of arguing yeah. for, well, the government's just trying to protect you, well, they need to outlaw cheeseburgers and cigarettes and going over 80 right. miles an hour in a car, right? right. So right. It, it becomes a slippery slope that you have to be it's careful for. It's different. Those, are, exter- those are external variants. Yeah, but like, also if you wh- look wait, at wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. Those are external variants that you place into your body, mm-hmm. right? So when you when you when you talk about so a, a, a wait a minute, when you talk about a a a virus that you don't necessarily choose to put into your body, because let's face it, if you're going to define someone going out as choosing to put the virus in their body. That's that's a whole another discussion. Right? So we're not when we go out, mm-hmm. we don't choose to place this substance within our bodies. So that's that's there in line is the difference. It's different, but it's the same I think, because I think it's, it's the same, yeah. Uh, it's the same in what you're saying. Both are right. Because protection, okay, if protection protection, then take all our guns, take like do all the things. Like that you just listed a while ago about fast food and driving. If it's all about protection, they know better for us than we do. Then just do it all. Like, let's just make sure we're all safe. You know, but at the same time, you're right in the fact of, yes, that's a that's not a choice for us to get the virus or whatever, you know. But the same. So my my point, I guess, is that the the choice, the choice to to. If you're going to go, like, if we're talking about fast food, the choice to eat, and Ryan's leaving in the middle of this. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm using the restroom. I'm sorry. Yeah, keep going. We'll play Jeopardy music until you get back. Um, <laughs> I th- but I think my thing is that, yeah, it's a choice to go that fast in a car and to eat a cheeseburger, but it's also a choice to get the vaccine or not. So it's it's the same, but it's just the, it's yeah. just the opposite, right? I mean, you yeah. can implement those things to 
require protection yeah. in terms of the vaccine, or you can implement things that require the inability for you to intake things that get into your body, like right. a cheeseburger or not wearing a seatbelt or, or going that fast in a car or whatever it is. So yeah, it ultimately comes down to doing the government stepping in and saying, we know what's best for you. We're going to make a decision for you. And you have to abide by it. And, that, you know, that, that becomes a very slippery slope in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. So it, I think it, I think it comes down to like, all right, so we have, we have vaccines for, for things that are. Matt's looking up by the way, yeah, just yeah, for, yeah. just for people who are listening. <laughs> yeah. no, it's a, it's not, it's good. I, I'm just letting people Absolutely. know. So yeah. let's just, let's just take, for example, smallpox. Okay. Right. Please. If do. you got smallpox, the mortality rate for smallpox was ninety nine to a hundred, which is almost, which has almost been eradicated single handedly by Bill Gates. For the record, by the way. Okay. Okay. So having said that, the mortality rate—if you got smallpox and you were and you were not vaccinated, you did not have a vaccine for smallpox. Your mortality rate was between ninety nine and a hundred percent. Super high. Right now. The mortality rate for COVID. As well as polio. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the mortality rate for COVID, who some would argue that it's basically just a really bad cold, the mortality rate is less than 1%. It is less than 1%. Right. So why would you mandate a vaccine for something that kills less than 1% of people versus I get getting a vaccine what for about something the flu? like Look at the stats on flu. How many how many people do the, does the flu kill? But back up the, a minute. Even if even if even if you're looking at smallpox, if if I know that the, the mortality rate for smallpox is 100%, but I don't want to get it. I, yeah. I don't want to get the vaccine. That should be a personal choice, right? Yeah. If it's not yeah, preventing no. me, no, 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 why? it should not. Why? Uh, why? Very good question. So Let's that, talk that's just my question. So, the, so the the cove the um is 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 small pack is <laughs> is smallpox uh, contractible, right? So, but here's the th- is it contractible? It is if you're not vaccinated. Okay, but here's the thing, Jesse knew. So hang hang on yeah. hang on. So, so you asked so- about you asked about the flu <laughs> the flu mortality rate. So the mortality rate for the flu is 49 people per 100,000 people. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, and I'll be honest, I haven't gotten a flu per vaccine. 1, per 1,000? Per 100,000. So 49 in 100,000. What is that? 0.5%? It's Yeah, it's real low. So what's the, my stance on this is I've never had a flu vaccine. Ever. Ever. I've had the flu and I've not died. It sucked, but I didn't die. But I know people who have gotten things like uh, MS from a vaccine mm-hmm. because they got vaccinated. Um, personal friend, family member. Yeah, a personal friend. And I can't, I can't go into detail yeah, on fine, that. Fine, it's fine, fine. Yeah, because I, I don't want to breach PHI. I don't know who you know. That's why I'm asking. Like, yeah. do I know this person? But we don't know. We don't necessarily know as as the public what all is in a vaccine. Sure, it's for our own good, right? Because it's it's pushed by the government. <sighs> Matt Pethel. And, no, I understand. I understand what you're saying. But what I'm saying is that I'm willing, and who knows, I may die in two weeks from COVID. We don't know. But I'm willing to take my chances on not getting vaccinated. Just There's a because balance. There's a balance that needs to be had. There is. There is. But I've had COVID. 
And I know there's all these variants. You've had a COVID. I've had a, a variant You've had of a variant of COVID. Yes. And you haven't had the full extent of what the COVID uh, uh, reek could have sure, on you. But, there, but the reason that a lot of people die are due to uh, you know, prior medical history. They're more at risk. Things like that. We don't know all the Some, factors that go into that's that. That's the thing, Matt. It's yeah. like you don't – look, you got lucky. There sure. are other sure. people who are more healthier than you mm-hmm. that have died from COVID. You got lucky. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the danger in the COVID-19. That Here, but here's, the thing, here's the thing with the virus is that uh, with the vaccine is it does it, it the vaccine prevented spread to other people. We got a totally different conversation going on. Right. It, it, I mean, I think right. that's that that changes the narrative completely. If the vaccine prevented if the vaccine prevented me from giving it to any of you three, then I would be there right now. Does a vaccine for for the flu prevent you from spreading the flu? Uh, I have no idea. I it should. That it should because it's not mRNA. Right. It is a vaccine that is in its truest sense or in its more familiar sense. A, a dead virus that uh, is is introduced into your body that allows you to fight it and then um, develop a defense against it. Uh, so, well, with COVID, so with, it doesn't, right? Correct. Right? It I does mean, not. So, so it only softens the blow. Yeah, correct. So, if, all right, so I, it goes along with the, the mindset of... of victimless crimes, if you will. Like if for me, quite frankly, I, I'm, you know, I don't smoke pot, but if people want to, by all I means go ahead and do it. I don't Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have an opinion about that either way, but, um, but because the vaccine doesn't prevent me from giving it to other people, truly the vaccine is only meant to prevent me from seeing severe symptoms when I get COVID. Is that not the definition of protection? Correct. Yeah, what I'm, but, what I'm but, trying what I'm trying to say, man, is that the federal government has the foothold to protect the American people, whether we like it or not. Right now, what I'm not saying is I agree with the policies because, dude. Since the beginning of this country, we have we have only drawn amendments and modifications to our Constitution as it saw fit to our interests when it comes to political parties, not necessarily within the interests of the people. Okay, point blank. All right. So therein lies a problem. We don't see things that are remedies for the people. We have protection that is a blanket law for people to be vaccinated and companies that are over 100 people to mandate a vaccine for their employees or result in a negative test. To me personally, that's a little absurd, but I understand it though. But you have... So when you're criticizing these rules and regulations, you cannot do it with a blind eye towards the Constitution. 
the Constitution. I, no, I, don't, I don't do that with a blind eye towards the Constitution. I do it with the a blind Constitution eye. The Constitution says to the people. But yeah, I do it understand with the hypocrisy of not doing that for everything. I that agree. We, that we are I agree. So, yeah. I'm going to listen to hear Siegel's comments on this. He's been quiet. I want to hear Siegel's comments, too. He's been super quiet. <laughs> my, my, I come from a really different angle, and it may sound bizarre, Please but I, I have a very huge mistrust in government, no matter who's in charge. Who doesn't? Because, <laughs> so why would I trust that they're upholding something they said they're supposed to do? A year ago, when Trump's pushing this... Um, this vaccine, all the people that are saying you need to get it or else type stuff now were peddling fear. He's pushing it out to win an election. He's trying to hit. They were peddling the same fear that other side is doing now. It's literally whoever's in control. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is good because we are doing it now. Like this vaccine's our vaccine now. So you got to do it. So I don't trust any of them. That's yeah, it, was, it was a bad vaccine yeah. when it was Trump's, and it's yeah. a good one when it's Biden, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. If Trump would have won the election, the same people that are telling us to get the vaccine would be like, fight it, right. fight against it. So that's right. my problem. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's, and that's just Trump the problem saying, with... When Trump was saying about ivermectin and the other things that actually helped people, like hydrochloroquine, mm-hmm. there are studies that have been done that prove the effectiveness of hydrochloroquine within certain circumstances. Sure. There is no doubt that it can help certain people. That is a scientific fact. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Ivermectin won the Nobel Prize in 2015 for its effectiveness on human beings. Hello, people. Why are you calling it a horse dewormer? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it is literally, it is, it was literally developed for human beings, then broadened to the other live other creatures mammals. like yeah. mammals. Yeah. yeah. Like horses, cows, sheep, whatever. Yeah. Right. It's effectiveness is proven. That's the fact. Yeah. Now, when they say, look, I went, let me tell you. I went to a VA appointment the other day, and I literally asked my tell doctor. Us, tell us what the VA is for those who are not. In the, the VA military. is a Veterans Affairs, uh, and it's based. So when I say I made an appointment to the VA, I made an appointment to a Veterans Affairs uh, like hospital. Yeah, it's for people who are former military, right? That's correct. Yeah. 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 People who are former or active duty military uh more 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 on the on the veteran side but mm-hmm. because active duty had their have their own um have their own vein that they go down in order to receive medical attention but and you served in the navy i did yeah. um and so what happened was when i had my va appointment uh the, i literally said i asked the question when every when all the other questions were asked that i answered um the reason why the reason why I had a VA appointment was because I moved from Georgia to Virginia, and um, if you don't set up an appointment um, that establishes your presence within a certain state, um, and if you if you go to apply for certain VA benefits and you're registered in another state, um, you will not receive those benefits because. They do not recognize you as in that state. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to go to the state that you currently reside in, make an appointment, get established, and then receive the benefits of the VA within that, of the VA period, because you're registered where you live. So when I went to the VA, 
uh, I asked the doctor after everything was done, right? You feeling okay? Blah, blah, blah. All these other questions. I asked, what is this ivermectin thing? Those were literally verbatim my words. What is this ivermectin thing? Do you know what the doctor said? What? The doctor. The doctor, which I will not rename, which I will not um, divulge the uh, or or uh, disclose. Whose name you will not mention? I do, I do you not. You must not be named. I do not disclose the name, neither the gender. Doctor Voldemort. <laughs> the doctor. <laughs> the doctor simply said, "It is garbage," and I think the a verbatim. It is garbage, and I think. That it is a treatment for animals. Why do you think they said that? Because they don't know what they're talking about. Right. Or they're they're regurgitating something that they were told. They hold a political party that means more to them than the scientific evidence uh, presented. Right. So that's that was my point is that you are you are talking about they're held to this thing to protect. That us. is the that is the hill that they will die on. Their political party. To Jesse's point, the reason why people don't don't approach the situation logically is because they hold a political po- position to to the point that they will literally advise medicine based on their mm. political views. Yeah. Well, so, which is real dumb. Yeah. yeah. So what, what's what's dumber that or a religious hill? You don't want to get me started on religion, man. Don't please don't. I have three other religious people in this call that you don't want to get me started okay. on. I, I, this is not the time or place. <laughs> I need to be a lot more lit and a lot less uh, microphoned. So, <laughs> I tell you my problem with religion, man. That's our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to check out part two next Friday.